Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Thank you for being a part of another episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. By now, you all know how you've been able to support the show through subscribing, uh, uh, leaving ratings, reviews, the whole thing. You've done it all. But Stitcher has provided me a new way that you can support the show, and I'm very, very excited about this. We are launching Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast on Stitcher Premium. What does that mean? Well, it could mean nothing. The show is not changing. It's going to be available across all platforms for free every Thursday morning like it always has been. But if you go to stitcher.com slash notsam and you sign up for Stitcher Premium on that site, you're going to have access to this show every week starting this week completely ad-free, which means this thing at the beginning of the show won't be there. You're going to have access to a brand new show that I'm launching exclusively for Stitcher Premium, which I'm going to tell you about later on in the show, uh, but that involves me and a partner, and we're sitting down and we're watching some of the worst wrestling available on the network. You're going to be able to help us pick it, but it's all going to be available on Stitcher Premium. It's 5 bucks a month. It's $35 a year. It's a very good deal. You'll get access to not only the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast premium feed, but all the premium feeds across Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcher.com slash notsam. Sign up today and enjoy the podcast, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. You said it. Here he is, Sam Roberts. Welcome. It's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And I will tell you guys all about what I just talked about before the uh, before the Fink rode me in with Stitcher Premium and the new content that we're going to have available on Stitcher Premium, which you can get to at stitcher.com slash notsam. We'll talk about that in the bridge segment of today's show, uh, ad-free new show. It's going to be great. But first, we've got to talk about everything that's uh, happened this week. Uh, I do want to thank Titus O'Neil for being a part of the show last week and... If you didn't see, and you should have, I posted it all over social. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I did officially join Titus Worldwide. There is a video proof of Titus welcoming me into the crew. Very, very exciting. I always dreamed of one day being a part of Titus Worldwide, and I now am. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback that I got on that interview, and uh, I spoke to Titus last week, and he also was kind of blown away at all the feedback that he got. We were really, really uh, happy about how much you all enjoyed that. It's also going to be available on YouTube soon. The edit is uh, is getting done as we speak, uh, so you'll be able to watch the entire interview over on the YouTube channel, as we do uh, for most of the interviews that go down here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I'm very, very excited about today's show. Not just for the usual, the state of wrestling, everything, the, the announcement about Stitcher Premium, but 
I'm very, very excited because of the interview. This is an interview I've wanted to do for quite some time, and I've heard from you guys that have wanted to hear this interview for quite some time from a subject that uh, I don't think uh, does nearly enough interviews. There's a natural curiosity about uh, WWE broadcasting uh, extraordinaire Renee Young. And I think that uh, especially, especially since Talking Smack uh, started and unceremoniously ended, people have developed this uh, wonderful appreciation for Renee Young and everything that she does uh, at the WWE. Uh, I did finally, uh, over the Royal Rumble weekend, get a chance to sit down and talk with her. Renee uh, is a very, very interesting person. You know, I, I don't think I'm alone when I say that in terms of back stage interview host type people, whether it's uh, during the pre-show panels or whether it's doing the interviews backstage or in the ring on Raw and SmackDown, she's pretty high up there and she's going to be, that's a tough job. And it's a, it's a tough job for a couple of reasons. It's a tough job to do well and it's a tough job to win over fans doing. Because really your job there is not to win over fans and if you do... It has to happen organically, and I think that's what's happened uh, with Renee. So we got into so much stuff. Of course, Renee not only does stuff with WWE, but she does uh, the Regular Girls podcast, which if you want to get to know Renee outside of wrestling, that's the best way to do it is to subscribe to her Regular Girls podcast because um, it's very, very entertaining. She's a very, very entertaining person, which I don't think would surprise anyone. Uh, but I talked to Renee uh, right after, hours after the Royal Rumble a week or two ago, uh, and just got into everything, got into uh, who she is as a human being, how she got interested in pro wrestling, and, and what her journey was like going to the WWE, of course, her relationship with Dean Ambrose, and it becoming public, and people having opinions about it, and what she wants to do going forward, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about talking smack, and what kind of a blow that was, and and where she sees herself going, you know, because I think that most of you would agree with me when we say there's there's just so much upside and potential with Renee Young. She's one of the most valuable non-wrestling people in the WWE right now. So I was very happy to get the opportunity to sit down and talk to Renee Young for you guys, for this here Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It went down, and now you get to hear it uh, immediately. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Welcome to the very first time to the Roberts uh, Not Sam Mobile uh, home studio. Yes, we're here. Miss Renee Young. Uh, Renee, what's the haps? Oh my God, what is the haps? Okay, so here's my first haps. Is that um, just, it might have been, it was probably yesterday because I saw you yesterday at NXT. Yes. And I was like, why do people call Sam the brand muffins thing. I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. And now I know. You do? Yes. Because Why? you were pooping regularly and That's everyone was aware true. of it. Oh, is that not No. I don't, did you just assume? <laughs> Who told me that? I think Graves told me that. Like, no, like, somebody gave me that information. <laughs> I did not just come up with this on my own. It, this it was information fed to me. It was probably Graves because he just made it up. It was Graves. Yeah, that's not true. Graves, no. why are you called brand muffins? Because, um... Sammy brand muffins. Because... My co-host Jim Norton. Yeah. His manager's name is Jonathan Branstein. 
Okay. And he uh, annoys him a lot. And so, like, when they're in L.A., mm -hmm. he walks around and shouts Janie, Johnny Brand Muffins at him. Oh, okay. And, like, it's a thing. And he was going, Johnny Brand Muffins, Johnny Brand Muffins. And I went on the air and I was like, that's so stupid. Why yeah, do you do that? It is, yeah. And he started doing Sammy Brand Muffins. Now you're and stuck. And it means nothing. It doesn't It doesn't relate to my name. I don't ever eat Brand Muffins. I am so I, appalled. There's at, nothing like, to it. What a slick liar. Great. Because he just said it. <laughs> and we moved on. And I was like, okay, great. Do I you, have the information that I need. And we left. Do you think he was lying or do you think he just didn't want to talk about it so he was like if I just give her an answer I mean it's still saying something that's not true right no it was a lie because <laughs> he knew that that wasn't true he listens to the show yes I know he's, he's, he comes on your show all the time he just made it up I'm really glad I got to come on your show I mean this I feel like we've been talking about it for a little while and now we're doing it we have we have I mean at some point you will also have to check out the not Sam right actual studio right I did go on like I knew we were going to do this this weekend yeah and I had like a slight panic attack mm. because as I was setting up the mobile studio, yes. I realized like I was like looking in my bag and I was like, there's no not Sam branding. Oh my God. Anywhere. Which is the only reason why this computer is here. Not to make it look like, oh, it's a podcast and it's electronic. <laughs> there's a But it is also covering up the cords. But that's not I wasn't gonna for the mic mention that. Mm. <laughs> there's a not Sam sticker on the back of it. We're branding so the here, branding. guys. We're putting the branding out there, letting the people know who you are. Yeah. Everyone knows, though. They're hip to Sam Roberts. No, I know. I just I just very much believe in branding. No, and you're right. Yeah. You're 100% right, and I'm really bad with stuff like that. I never – I'm so haphazard with everything. I just um, changed my Instagram account to Renee Paquette. I was going to ask you about that and because oh I boy, see – oh, boy, did it stir up a fire. Well, because I feel like in the past when – I don't want to generalize, but I do feel like it happens more with – female WWE superstars, personalities, right. whatever, than it does with male. But I think it happens with males, too. It is usually because they're looking to do something outside. Sure, of course. And they're like, that's not actually my name. And right. God forbid, should something happen... You I don't want to your name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, definitely that's part of it. And so I had I had seen before, I was just like flipping through Instagram and saw that um, that Naya's name, she's got both on there, and Carmella did, not to throw those ladies under the bus, but what up, y'all? Um, I saw theirs, and I was like, oh, I think I can get away with this. What's the big deal? So it's not a big deal. So I switched it. Um, and I also was like in the process of like switching over my, uh, my Instagram food business account, which I don't even know what that What does that mean? mean? I don't know. I want that. I think it's so that people can just like email you directly if oh, they need something. I don't want it's that. honestly not that cool. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, I switched my name back to Renee Paquette, but I think people were mostly freaked out that I didn't put it to Renee Good. Right, because that's not your name is not even Renee Paquette. Is it, it? I mean, that's like my 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 real like my your maiden birth name. name. God, I sound like like a grandmother. My maiden name yeah. um is Renee Paquette, but I worked on TV as Renee Paquette before. So I feel like adding good into that mix might be confusing. I think a lot of people get married and they still keep their their, no, their real name for work. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I've it has a lot it, of it's just like it kind of it has its own flow and flair. René Paquette. Right, and it adds it some. It just kind of goes. Right, and it adds like a, a, a global mystique. Exactly, a little panache. It. Right. Yeah. Whereas, uh, what if you just went by like uh, René Moxley? Oh, that would be great. That's what I. But you know what's so funny is when actually when John and I got married, so many people thought that his name was Moxley. I kind of did too. That's what yeah, I. Yeah, a lot I of people knew did. him before. WWE is yeah. John Moxley, and I was like, well, his real name's John. I've heard people say John, so it must be John God, Moxley. I, I mean, if, if my last name got to become Moxley, that would have been badass. Well, it's a good name. It's strong. I mean, not that good's not. Good is good. Is good. But Moxley has, like, a, there's a, a little danger well, to the name Moxley. There's Moxley to it. There's Moxley to Moxley. That's it. You're right. That's it.
It, I, there's a sense of danger and uh, and um, emergency with the name Moxley. So you just saw your your female coworkers doing this, and you were like, "That's actually not a bad idea." Well, I had been thinking about doing it before, and honestly, I thought it was more of a to do to switch over your name. I, I literally did it in two seconds. I thought it was a, I thought it was gonna be a big deal. I thought maybe it might like ruffle some feathers, but nobody said anything. So I guess I'm in the clear. But a lot of people noticed. Like I followers guess so. noticed. Yeah, and on, I don't think people were messaging me, but I think people were mostly perplexed that I didn't put good, and they took that as a slight toward so John. Is that a, is that an odd thing that like, especially because you know so much of your audience is a wrestling audience? Because yeah. even before you were in WWE, the people who know Renee Paquette know you from the stuff you were doing on the Score yeah. on the Raw after show, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're so ingrained in wrestling that when you get this relationship and it becomes public and you get married and he's right. one of the biggest wrestlers in the world. I know. Oh, he's so cute. Like, he but, but, but now this audience is also kind of obsessed with your relationship. I know. And it's not just like guys being like, uh, it's like women like relationships, right? Love it. Of like course. they get women so interested relationships. in that yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, it is. It's funny having people, um, care about your relationship and like we have sort of like a funny juxtaposition where I talk to everybody about everything right. all the time like I I don't really consider myself like a very private person but he's the polar opposite so it's finding that like balance of like what people can see what people can't see and obviously when we we're doing total divas like that was kind of an odd thing for us um to try to make him not be just like Dean Ambrose right you don't really get to see like us how we actually are together um but yeah it's it's very interesting having people care about your relationship it's it's funny there's like parts of it don't seem like it's that bad but it's um you, you get very protective of well, all when it's things. good it's good yes like when it's good of course it's not bad but like if you guys are in a fight or something right, or right. if somebody just says something nasty you're like this relationship actually really means a lot to me totally oh my god well 100%. Like, I don't want your negative opinion you know it, it's really yeah i mean i've had people say some really horrible things about like my character as a person that's just like insanity why i don't know I'm not sure. I must have a face that people don't like or something. Oh, so they're, it's not even about your me. relationship. They're just like, you're a bad person? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that I'm a bad person or I, I don't know. I, I also think, I don't know. It's a slippery slope. Slippery slope and it's going to change the course of this whole podcast. Um, but yeah, it's it's odd. The thing is, John's never on social media. He literally never sees it. So if I'm like, somebody was like shitty to me on the internet, he's like, well, then don't go on the internet. And I'm like, right. God, you're right. But I can't do that. Like, I don't get to be as cool as him and have that mystique, I kind of have to be on social media. Well, because you're a personality. Exactly. I'm a personality. We don't know you how to wrestle. To do it. I don't know how to wrestle. Like if you were a really, really good wrestler and had like a like great on-screen yeah. presence and 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 charisma and could also I have do great zero matches. Mystique. There's no mystique no. about me at all. That's why you went to Paquette. <laughs> exactly. No mystique. Um, so yeah, it puts you in a weird spot where you have to kind of. I've got to put certain amounts of myself out there just to kind of do that side of things, but he's not in on any of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was a thing more earlier on of us dating when it was, like, more like nobody really knew what was going on. It was right. Like more of that. Well, and, and here's the thing. Once you tell everybody and then also once you get married and everybody kind of knows you're married right. and they're making references to it on WWE TV, right. it's, it's not this, like, fun secret anymore. Oh, no, no, no. No, but also when like you're married, you things. don't want it to be a secret. You kind of want no, of everybody to know. You're like, oh, my God, I married this. I love this person. It's great. That's the whole you point of getting married. Know. Of course. Exactly. Right. We were talking about that the other night. Marriage and children. It's all good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all, yeah, it's all I mean, good stuff. If you're, It becomes like it's one thing if you're, like, in this relationship. 
and it's kind of a new relationship, or even if it's a year old, if it's a girlfriend boyfriend thing, yeah. and you're private about it, it it makes sense. The same way, like if you're pregnant, you should be private about it for you the first X number it. of months yeah, because yeah. it could end ugly. You're gonna have questions to answer for. Yeah. But once you're married, if you're private about completely being married at all, right? It's just like shady. It's so weird. <laughs> right. It's right, so right, weird. One hundred percent. It's super weird. That's ulterior motives. That's not. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that we're married. Yeah. Um, I'm just no. a private person, so I never tell women that I'm married. I'm just <laughs> yeah. private. What that's can I like, tell that's you? That's like men that are like, well, I just don't like wearing a, a wedding ring. It's like, well, it's uncomfortable. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, our solution for that was that, like, John, he literally doesn't wear anything. He's like, I'm just going to go get tattooed. So that's he got fine. tattoos. And it's like, good. It's on there. You're good. Right. That's fine. That thing's so not moving. How big of, of a wrestling fan were you? Before you got to WWE and all this stuff, because there's like there's a lot of girls now mm-hmm. that have kind of realized that there is a big that this is a big medium. There's a big audience here, and I know Certainly. that there are a lot of girls that like learn about wrestling yeah. specifically so they can be a wrestling host. And I don't have it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I um, just no. The, so it the, does make things more difficult later. I think. So the, I think what makes things difficult about that is that um, our audience. They will tear you down if you you oh. can't you can't mispronounce names or you, you are like the history of WWE is so important to like the WWE universe that if you're gonna like misstep on things they're gonna call you out like you cannot be a phony in this business one you time will not go far I guess I was just having a brain fart on one of the kickoff shows and I said. Maharaj every single time instead of Maharaja. <laughs> and I don't like, remember you saying that. Well, yeah, I know because it was so like mundane, but it was an ugly night on Twitter oh, and it hurt no. me. Like I had a bad night. Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, there's going to be some slip ups here and there. There's a lot to know. There's a ton of information. Like, did I grow up watching every single thing of WWE, WCW, like bouncing back and forth or anything? No, but I did watch it when I was a kid, um, you know, kind of around the age that kids start watching wrestling. Um, and my dad, my dad works in the music industry, but he, for a while, was working at the Sky Dome in Toronto. So I got to go to a bunch of events and check some stuff out. I got to like see The Rock and China and Mick Foley and Stone Cold. And it was oh, like you such got to like a, meet these people. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. So it was like such a. And that's when like, as big as WWE is now, this is rock star status. I know. Yeah, and it was like it. It really was like that larger than life moment. I feel like Mick Foley always says that he thinks that he has seen a picture of him and I, like when I'm like a child. I don't know if that's true. Do you have any of the old pictures? My dad probably does somewhere. Like they certainly exist. I remember wearing like this ugly yellow Columbia jacket, and I think that's really <laughs> what haunts me the most of the whole thing. Um, but anyway, so then I kind of fell off for a little bit. Um, when I was, you know, your kid, you're, I played sports a ton, so I was like always wrapped up doing that stuff. Um, and then when I started working um, in sports uh, in Toronto, and my boss there was like, "Hey, you want to? We're going to start doing a wrestling show, and I want you to host it." So I was like, "Great!" And then I just I submerged myself like back into the whole culture. So I already had enough of a base knowledge of who was who and what was sure. what, and then just kind of throwing yourself back into it and uh, yeah, embracing the whole thing. But it's also, I mean, there's a big difference between. You being like, oh, I want to host a wrestling show because of this audience. And somebody being like, hey, I have a wrestling show that I want you to host. That's sure. Big. Of course. Um, it's a big difference. So did you just completely immerse yourself in it because that's what you would do as a host? That's yeah. what, like. Um, I mean, essentially, yeah, because I, I sometimes I feel like I'm really good at um, just kind of pulling some shit off every now and then because even when I was working in sports and I really got into working in sports because I wanted to do comedy and when you're in Toronto I know it doesn't make sense why don't you just do comedy 
because you can't make any money doing that. Oh, you you wanted to get into comedy, but you didn't want to. I like, needed a job. Yeah. I needed bills to pay. Like I always felt this immense amount of pressure to become successful and be able to pay my bills and have that be my main thing because you know I think it's like so many people I think a lot of you know my mom didn't really think that I was going to be able to hack it or did she oh 100% really oh certainly yeah she was like she kind of wanted to give me a deadline that like if you don't have like a good job by like 25 which is really young like now thinking about that it's like man it's like 30 year olds they're still trying to figure it out like no I'll get there I know it's crazy so I really um I put so much pressure on myself and in Toronto there's just not a ton of places that you can go to have a regular TV job it just wasn't a thing there's much music and um the score was one of the things for me but I wanted to go to the score because they did comedy-based interviews it was not like serious sports center uh updates I mean that stuff existed there but it was more about being personalities and and getting to do more like comedic bits so that's why I kind of wanted to go there and do that and then yeah I was I was doing a lot more of like a soup style sports show and dabbling in that but um yeah then that ultimately led me to doing a WWE show so then and now I'm here yeah, exactly. Ooh, I'm in this hotel room with Sam Roberts, <laughs> this, everybody. This is where your destiny has led you. <laughs> this is what was supposed to be this happening this whole time. You're my density. <laughs> I mean, so so did, are you sending tapes to WWE or are they just kind of no. aware of you? Um, okay, so they, I guess they became aware of me because um, the score um, – they had the rights to be broadcasting all of WWE stuff, so we did work directly with WWE. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for people who don't know, like your Raw after show was on the network that Raw was on. Yes, it yeah, was yeah, yeah. like a Canadian version of what Talking Smack. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah, just no Daniel Bryan, and man, you really need Daniel Bryan for Talking Smack. Oh yeah, yeah, you do. Um, but yeah, it, it was essentially that, um, and you know, we we hosted a bunch. Actually, the very first thing I ever did when I came to WWE was doing um, Vintage Collection with Gene Okerlund, and we would air that in Canada. So when I first, I was actually like really nervous. I remember like going into the set, and Gene's there, and he's just like the sweetest, most magical creature. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, they like brought me on, but it was like my one time of being on TV with WWE as Renee Paquette because I hadn't got my name changed yet. So wow, that exists yeah. somewhere. It is there. Um, so anyway, so I got brought in uh, for WWE and I was like kind of wrapping up my stuff at the score. I knew I wanted to move down to the States and get some stuff happening. Um, and I went to ESPN the week prior and did, uh, I was auditioning for Sports Nation and it was really great and it all went super well. And I was like, okay, I'm, I guess that's what I'm going to go do now. That's going to be the move. Um, and then obviously that was not the move. Um, and then the next, it, that was on like a Monday. I don't want to say like by Friday, WW was like, oh, we want to fly you down to do an audition. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, but I had no idea what, like I had a really bad audition here. You it did? was not good. I mean, it wasn't awful, but I mean, it was not a thing where I walked away being like, man, I knocked that out of the park. This is going to be great. It's weird. Several years ago, I also had a bad audition with WWE, and you know what happened? Huh? They never called, so that's <laughs> the difference. But you're here. Well, yeah. You persisted. <laughs> a whole other thing happened with that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So when, yeah, when I had a bad audition, they just didn't call, which is generally what happens. I mean, I was definitely in a, like, a bit of a different market, that I was a chick that knew about wrestling. Yeah, I would say I you bring like a different... Uh, <laughs> Skill set, I guess. I was so stressed out, though, because I went in, and keep in mind that I was like, oh, I'm probably going to go work at ESPN. This It seemed like a surefire thing that that was going to happen. And I was like, I'm going to go check out this WWE audition, see what happens. Um, and they made me do commentary, which um, I it's a very stressful thing to do commentary if you've not done it. Um, Especially because WWE, they have 
roles, color commentary Certainly. or play-by-play. And if you're unfamiliar, you don't even understand. You don't know what those even mean. Right. Um, and I was, so I did my audition with Matt Stryker. Um, and he was he was great to work with, but um, yeah, we uh, we went in, did some, did I did, I think I just did color. There's no way I did play by play, um, but I was like totally a duck out of water, fish out of water, duck out of water. Both, no Both? duck ducks out of water are fine. They just walk. Mm. I was not walking. <laughs> yeah, it was certainly you drowning. were fish out of water, struggling and slowly <laughs> yeah, dying. Yeah, so bad. Yeah. but then I got to do your like your gills were just <laughs> they're just like, let me flapping. in, and yeah. flapping all over the place. Um, but then, um, yeah, then I did. Um, they handed me like a battery and like sell this to me, and I was like, oh god, this old trick, <laughs> damn. So I had to do that, and then I did like an after show style thing, and I think that's where my true colors got to shine. Yeah, it's more but, my wheelhouse. But then the after show thing didn't happen, and for many many years. For after many that, right? years, no. Which is yeah, I mean, and that was a big thing too. Like when I started WWE, I really. I had no idea what my job here was going to be. I assumed it was going to be similar to what I was doing in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't for a long time. Right. Um, that I, you know, coming in and doing backstage interviews and kind of getting the swing of that, learning about what it's like actually working for this company as opposed to watching it. And it they are different things, as you know. Definitely. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have to adapt to the way you speak about things and uh, and I was learning a little bit of that when I was in Toronto because they would pull us aside and be like, hey, you can't say this word or this word or whatever just to kind of because have, that, to have the branding. Right, right. Because WWE was like, I know it's not our show, but if you're going right. to air it on this network after exactly. the show, people are going to think it's our show. Exactly. That makes sense. Um, so I was getting a little bit of a taste of that, but um, yeah, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey. It's been really, it's been cool. So how long was it before you felt like fully comfortable and because, I mean, at this point, you have to know, like, you're the person at WWE, right? Like, there's no... I don't know. I don't feel like that. I mean... I, I, don't, I don't feel like that at all. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> I think, evident to... But I don't think that it there's is. There's kind of like... I mean, there's... Not on commentary, but on everything right. besides commentary. Right. Yeah, I, I guess. I feel like... And this isn't to take anything away, because, like, there's people at WWE... Yeah. Except for me, are really good at what they do, and that's <laughs> oh, why they're on. there. Come but, on. But, like, people who are, who are employed full-time, like, WWE doesn't keep people around that aren't good. That's so true. So everybody there is, is really true. good. But there's also, I think, and I'm not just blowing smoke, this feeling of people watching. And I think I've told you this before, that, like, there's Renee and there's everybody else. Oh, my gosh. Like, you don't. You what? Don't, I don't, like, I just don't, I guess I don't really think that because I think, like, the way that I look at it kind of is, like, in the world that we live in, it's, like, there's, like, the talent in, like, the wrestling side. Yeah. And then I'm there just kind of, like, plugging along, doing other things. Um, so it's, like, finding that. And no matter how good you are, your job is to just put over the talent. Exactly. That's what exactly. the job is. Exactly. Right. And that was, I think, the thing, like, when I started that I was, like, wait, what, what am I doing? I didn't, like, it took me a sec to kind of adjust to exactly, like, what my role here was going to be. Uh, but, you know, there's always, I feel like there's always, like, there's always stuff to learn here because there's always things are always changing. I mean, today we did the Royal Rumble kickoff show and we had no idea what we were going to be doing when we started doing that, you know. And it was like, <laughs> do you understand that I was in several different spots in the arena? Going I do. Like, they might go to you live, but they might not. And I was like, cool. What are we going to talk about? I don't like, know. Sam, where are you? <laughs> yeah. Sam. But you know, you, you kind of fly by the seat of your pants. But I love that. I love. I do too. I love being able to work like that, and uh, I actually don't feel like we get to do that so often here so when those moments come up I'm like okay what's gonna happen is the whole show gonna go terribly or are we gonna be able to pull this together and be professionals and knock it out of the park but you do have to have a a pretty significant degree of confidence that you didn't used to have 
Oh, for sure. Right. Definitely. Oh my God. In that situation, 100%. And when did, so when did you start to feel like confident and comfortable in your own skin? Like, yeah, I know how to do this job. Um, gosh. Hmm. I don't know because, you know, I do feel like I got off to like a little bit of a rocky start with like doing the pre-shows and that was sort of my main spot to really be able to do the thing that I do as far as being a TV host. Um, so, and I, yeah, I think like trying to figure out just the way um, the way that our production works because they would like hand me these sheets and I'm like, I don't even know what these mean. Like right. I have no idea. But I feel like I've always been like, yes, okay, that looks good. All right. And I'm like, wait, what does that mean? So you just fake it and then fake eventually. Fake it until you make it. And then eventually you just know what it is. And you know you make the mistakes and you can kind of pick stuff up here and there. But I, I kind of feel like doing some of the stuff down at NXT was a great place to I'm start sure, getting bet. those shows yeah. going. Especially like. Not that it's the same thing, but when you're doing something live to tape how we do those pre-shows, it feel you feel there's a little bit of a security blanket there, but there's not because you're not going to use it anyways. Like you just can't. Um, so yeah, I feel like that was always kind of something that helped propel me into being able to do this. And especially in the early days of NXT, because everybody was kind of trying to figure out what exactly. was going on, right? Totally. Like, what are we really doing here? How big is this thing exactly. supposed to get? For sure, to like yeah. be there for like more of like the inception of NXT getting the legs that it has now. Uh, it, there you knew that there was a little more room for error should you need to rely on it. Um, but I think between like doing those shows, doing Talking Smack was definitely one of the times that I was like really feeling comfortable doing my stuff. But that was, you know, a couple of years into me being here. Yeah. Um, but that was like I, I like being in those situations where I can get to be a little bit more of me and get more personality in there. Because sometimes when it's things when I don't get to have much personality in there, I struggle with that a little bit. It makes right. me feel weird. Yeah, because you're like, I have this thing to offer. Exactly. And I yeah. feel like yeah. I'm not. Like, I, I guess it's that thing of, of when you feel like anybody could do what you're doing. Yes. You feel like, why am I doing it? Sure. And I think that's like, I think that's kind of the key too, is like to have anything seem like there's an ease behind it. So everyone's like, oh, well, I could just do that. Right. But you have no idea how many moving parts right. are, you know, contributing to this one thing happening as far as like me getting a note in my ear from somebody else and not having to have people on that are watching me on camera knowing that I'm getting other information for where we have to go in the next spot in the show. It can be a real um, brain circus. Yeah. But again, like... It's better that way. Yeah. Oh, right? Totally. Because then you're like, oh, my God, I can do this. Like, you, you've accomplished something. And it's nice to use your brain. Like, they're like, oh, I still got it. Yeah. My brain is still sharp. And I, I do feel like I went in today not necessarily feeling like my best. I felt like, you know, I'm just, like, tired and whatever. So I was like, ooh, all right, we're going to pull this one together. Pull yeah. it together. Make it happen. Somebody give me an orange juice. I need some vitamin C. <laughs> Something needs to happen here. Um, I, I do think, like, another part, too, is when I realized um, at the end of backstage interviews, I found out that I'm one of the only people that can get away with having a reaction at the end. Yeah, I'm aware That's of that. That's a thing. <laughs> like, like, I can clearly see that. I'm like, I wear that with real pride. Like, I kind of wear that on my sleeve. I'm like, okay. doing emoting. Yeah. Like, it's not supposed yeah. to be a thing that gets done in that totally. position. Yeah, so it's, it's, I like being able to do that. Um, emote? Get away with properly. Like, just let me emote. I just right. want to emote. But it's also like the guys. Like, you're just in this unique position. And, again, it goes back to your relationship. But when guys are taking personal shots at your relationship, if you just stood there like a robot, it'd be like, It'd be weird. Like, what is she doing? Yeah. Totally, yeah. So, I mean, when it's stuff like that or, like, I actually – so I tweeted some, back somebody. This was a couple of weeks ago. But they're like, why do you always smile at Seth and AJ and Roman, but you don't do it for Dean anymore? I'm like, 
come on, people. But I, I was like, well, guys, I'm secretly in love with them. Right. Please don't tell my husband. You've fallen out. You're, yeah, you're not in love with your husband anymore. I'm just very transparent right. on these shows. And I I got I love these guys. But that's like part of the thing, too, is like smiling at the guys when they walk. And be like, oh, yeah, really? I'm on board with what they said. Or this guy is a bad guy. And I'm going to frown at him right. or whatever. Yeah, because the guys you just listed are good guys. Exactly. So you should be smiling at well, them. exactly. You got it. Right. And your husband is the lunatic fringe. He's so. a lunatic fringe. He's a psychopath. Right. So I wouldn't be smiling at him. I'd be oh, like, my God. Okay. God, I don't know. Crazy. You're unpredictable. No, I don't know what you're going to do. he does things where you like, touch my face or like call me darling or he's all <laughs> weird and pervy. <laughs> face palm. Get out of here. Do you ever – so based on why you started this thing, mm-hmm. have, have you ever or did you ever or do you ever get to that place where you're like, oh, my God. I've gotten in way too deep with this TV hosting thing. This was supposed to be a segue into comedy, and I'm um, just getting good at TV hosting. <laughs> I mean, sort of. And, you know, I think – so I, I really wanted to do more comedy, but I was also – like, acting was the main thing I was doing as well. It was, like, that was the main thing that I was, like, super submerged in between that, but, like, doing, like, a meld of the two. Like, to do some comedic acting would be great. And that was kind of, like, where my mind always was when I started. And I do always really miss that stuff. I miss – um, I miss entertaining more, and I don't get as many um, I don't get as many pockets within my current job to do that. So it's like trying to find those other spots to still like stay true to the thing that I want to do, but then also being met with the reality that uh, I'm a 32 year old woman that has a good job in television. I make good money doing it. So where do you like choose between like part of a thing that like your heart wants and what thing your bills yeah. and like being a responsible person too right and there are elements that come into your job you have now where you can do that and totally. it's also like you're free to do the podcast that yeah, you do where no, you can completely great. exercise that it's yeah, because nice yeah it's really cool you meet people that like they think that way where it's yeah. like no I want to do more than I'm doing here yeah. so I'm just going to quit here oh my god and it's like where are you going don't be like, mental well, I'm gonna, I don't know. and they always end up going like hey man so how's it going over there how's it going <laughs> Still, totally. still miserable, and you're like, not, no. It's like, it's finding that balance of, yeah, the things that make you happy, and, and again, being able to do them in WWE, and I, I feel like that's always kind of been the feeling that I've always had, is like, I always want to do more. I like being busy. I want to, I want to be on everything in like a selfish way of just wanting to work. Right. I like, I like doing that stuff, because when I'm just sitting around, not doing anything like, oh my God, you keep opening your Instagram and your Twitter, and you've seen the same stupid videos a hundred times, like, right. ugh. Ugh. So do you? Uh, so when Talking Smack went away, that must have been a huge blow. Then it was. Yeah, I was really upset to lose Talking Smack. Um, I also like working with Brian was really great too. Like that yeah. was like that was such uh, an unknown thing for me when we got paired up to do that. And like it was mostly I was with Brian. Occasionally it was with Shane. Um, but like working with Brian, he's so he's super talented at everything he does. As everybody listening to this would know. But having him in like that host role. Who knew how great he was going to be at Incredible. that? That, like, I could – you know when, like, you're hosting something if somebody isn't a host and you have to do the heavy lifting sure. of doing all that stuff? But he was such a great co-host with that. He also had that I don't give a shit attitude, yeah. which just made the show so much better. And I know, like, my one of my strengths is reacting to, like, the ridiculous things people are saying. So when he's, like, going off the rails, I'm like, yes, I'm here for this. <laughs> Let's make it happen. I'm, like, egging him along. Well, that's going back to your yes and, right? Like. <laughs> yes and. I'm with you, and what are we doing next? Um, and then, uh, yeah, being able to have, like, the stuff with Miz on there. And, like, having people get uh, – making their own spotlights as well and being able to take that situation and kind of, you know, spin it into something that was going to work for them. So it's, it's it was, like, a fun collaborative process to watch the way that show would go. 
uh, and letting people, um, again, take take that safety net away and see what somebody's going to come up with. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it, it was kind of amazing, too, that it wasn't just like a fun show, that there was yeah. actually – for the product, yeah, all this stuff that blossomed out of that right. thing. We were we were definitely like bringing stuff along, creating creating new moments. Um, I mean, even even on Raw twenty five, I mean, Miz still walks out and wants to stare down Daniel Bryan in the face, right? And, and that's all where that, that came, stuff yeah. stems from Talking Smack. Um, so yeah, I mean, when Talking Smack ended, I was I was pretty bummed out about that. Um, but I hope that it can come back at some point. I don't know. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, maybe. And there's a whole bunch more pay-per-views now. So there's like, a lot. At least there's kickoff shows to do. There and, is. and stuff like exactly. That. There's more kickoff shows. Um, I would love to bring back something like an unfiltered or something back in like that. Just that to, world. Something. Yeah. I'm re- I'm ready to find like another like thing to latch Creative onto. Outlet. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I don't know what it is yet. Got a couple ideas for some things that I won't tell you on here because they're really smart ideas. You know, I hate to interrupt Renee Young, and we'll be right back to the interview, but I got to tell you guys about the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to any type of live event, and that, my friends, is SeatGeek. So the interview that you're listening went down during Royal Rumble weekend. It was a, a weekend of some of the toughest tickets to get, whether it was NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, whether it was the Royal Rumble, whether it was Raw and SmackDown also in Philly, uh, very tough tickets to get, especially getting the tickets that you want to get, and it's only going to get tougher as we get closer to WrestleMania weekend. Of course, New Orleans gets taken over that first Sunday in April, but it's going to be the Hall of Fame, and it's going to be WrestleMania, and it's going to be NXT TakeOver, it's going to be Raw, it's going to be SmackDown, it's going to be all the surrounding events, and how do you not only ensure that you get tickets, that they're the right tickets, you get that SeatGeek app on your phone, it's the only way that I would do it. It's designed to make ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value. So that they're going to help you get the most bang for your buck. If you want a front row ticket, no matter what the cost, SeatGeek got you. If you want to find the cheapest ticket, no matter where it is, SeatGeek has got you. If you want to find the best value, meaning it's, it's the best seat for the best deal, SeatGeek has got you through that grading system. And of course, they're all fully guaranteed, which means you're not going to show up to an arena and, uh, and realize, whoops. These tickets aren't real. They're going to be real. It's going to be a real good time when you get the tickets through SeatGeek. It's the, it's, it's the only thing I would recommend. People come up to me all the time. They go, uh, how do I get tickets? How do I get tickets? I have friends that come up to me. And I go, look, for Raw 25, for instance, a few weeks ago, people were coming up to me going like, oh, can you do anything? Can you get any tickets? I go, look, I can't get any tickets for you. They're all sold out. But I feel comfortable sending my personal friends over to SeatGeek because I know they're going to get a good deal and they're going to end up with the seats that they want. And best of all, one of the reasons I can send my friends there is the same reason I send you guys who I consider my friends there, and that's because I can get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app. Download it today. Go to your app store and download the SeatGeek app and then enter promo code SAM, S-A-M. Once you enter promo code SAM, S-A-M, you are going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You can't go wrong. SeatGeek app, promo code SAM, $20 off. 
tickets to anywhere. And now, back to Renee Young. <laughs> I don't want anybody to take him. <laughs> I'm actually surprised nobody's taken this already, and maybe they have. But um, when is I it do, in, I'll tell you about it. In the sphere of WWE, or is yeah. it just in in the Renee Paquette? No, no, this it's is in the Renee Young sphere. I mean, you, I could, I could have done it either way, but I like the idea of doing it with WWE. Yeah. It's a cool. It's just a simple, fun, cheap way to do a show. Um, I, I always like doing shows very bare bones too. I've, I've never wanted to be that like big shiny floor, Carson Daly, Ryan Seacrest, though I will take Ryan Seacrest money. Yeah. 100%. Sure. Listen, if that job's there, I'm going to take it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like a little bit more of like a grittier style, looser style TV right. show. So to find a way to do something. And I really wanted unfiltered to be like that too, to, I really wanted to kind of break that down a little bit, but, um. We like to make things look nice here, which yeah. I get. That's yeah. how we do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're, my... we're a professional big company. we got to look nice. I'm doing this, like, Ma and Pa thing down the street, and it's not happening. Not working out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, my only pitch has been, like, uh, well, i got a studio in my house. So what about, like, Wayne's World, but wrestling, but I don't uh, have a co-host. It's just me talking about wrestling in yes, my basement. Yes. Yeah, and I feel like that's a brilliant Why idea. Why not? Yeah. Why is there not more stuff like Wayne's World? Right. Wayne's World is brilliant. There is. It's in my house. Oh, my God. I it's did it on so New Year's. good. Yeah. Uh, Wayne's World is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's up there definitely. Like that's some that's some prime Mike Myers for you guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody's like, I feel like Austin Powers was even past his prime as oh, good I agree. as the Austin Powers first two are. First one. You won't even give him. Two's okay. Fat bastard running fat around. Ba- I'm to not eat interested little... in fat you don't bastard. Like that. <laughs> I'm not interested in him. Um, but I, I no, I I think like part of Austin Powers was great. Um, and the, what is what has he done lately? Not much. No, he did the Love Guru, which Love was Guru horrible. Stunk. That reeked yeah. the place up. You know what he did? So did you watch the Gong Show? The remake of the Gong no. Show? No. So they remade the Gong Show. You know yeah. the Gong Show, yeah. like the, the game show. Yeah. And he was the host of it. Okay. But he was in character in this weird, like, British game show host character. But it was never acknowledged that it was Mike Myers. Oh, no way. It was very strange. Oh, I like, I, I, see, I like weird things like yeah. that. I like when people start to lose it, and that's where they end up. You're like, what's happening here? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what, and I mean, and it goes back to wrestling, but it goes to comedy. Like, I'm the same sure. way, like. When there's no sort of wink, like, we're all in on this together. Right. It's the best. I know. You're like, he's just doing oh that weird gosh. thing just because. I mean, even watching the Andy Kaufman documentary that yeah. was on Netflix and watching. The Jim Carrey one? The, yeah. 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 Watching, watching the way Jim Carrey was staying in character to be Andy Kaufman, what a, what a nightmare. Yeah. I Could love you the, imagine being on set with uh, him? Uh, what a curmudgeon. Especially since all Andy Kaufman's friends that, and coworkers that were actually in the movie were like, Andy wasn't like this behind yeah. the scenes. He was just like this on camera. Oh but God. Jim insists on being on camera, Andy. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to do this to you guys. <laughs> off, off, off well, camera. Well, Jim Carrey has also fully lost it, which is sad, but he's, yeah, he's. Didn't a crazy he seem like person. an empty vessel when he was doing those interviews? Yes. Like there was just something where he was like, he wanted something really badly, which was fame. Like, and, and that was to me really fame. interesting. Like, he didn't just want to be a good comedian, he wanted to be famous. Yes. Yeah. And then he got famous he got and realized famous. that it was like completely empty. Yep. Sucks. And then he just had nothing as a person. Yeah, and doesn't I think he has like a bad relationship with his daughter or something. Like I feel like that's part of his deal. And then I was watching um uh comedians in cars getting coffee, whatever, yeah. and like watched the one with him and he's just like he's always on and he's like too much. Like I could never be friends right. with him. Like no. there's no way. Well, that's the deal. Lock I don't think anybody can. You can't. Right. Because no, he's, he's not a, a person. He's a lonely, weird man. Yeah. Um, but you know, he I like I always I do like when people go from like this like full on 
comedy uh, career to then starting to dabble into like, oh, I want to do like, a, uh, like I want to do Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right. And like seeing like where that stuff goes. And sometimes it's great. Like that's a great movie. Or it's like great. Dead Poet Society, Robin right. Williams exactly. move. Exactly. Grow a beard. Oh my God. Give him a beard. Throw right. him out there. But I actually thought that one of the things that Mike Myers is supposed to do, which now he's obviously not, I don't even know what's going on with this movie, but in the Queen movie, he's supposed to be playing Keith Moon. But that was like a decade ago well, he did a when couple, they first talked about it. He did that Studio 54 movie that was actually a pretty good movie. It just got no attention. But he was, it was like a dramatic yeah. movie where I think he played the guy that like owned it or something like that. Huh. But he did a couple of dramatic things. I think it just never – It just never really hit. When you're comic – like the biggest comic in the world that does drama, you can't just do a good. You have to get like an Oscar nomination. One hundred percent. You totally do. Take you, seriously. Uh, you know, Ben Stiller's kind of done some wacky movies. He's done some quirky, cool little spots. Yeah, my. I, I, I don't know any of the names of them because I haven't seen them, but it seems like they did okay. I, don't I know. feel like Ben Stiller like made a ton of money in comedy. Yeah. And then just now has decided to do like just weird, quirky indie. Whatever I like he wants that, to though. do. I would movies. love to go do that. Just do some weird, bizarro movies. I would love it. Well, that's the thing. Like you, you but have I don't to, have that kind of money to mess around with. You have to, <laughs> and it's what Jerry Seinfeld did with the car show, like, and what Letterman's doing on Netflix. Right. You have to get very, very successful and rich, so that way, finally, when you're 70, you can just do whatever you want. Listen, when I'm 70, it's going to be really downhill. Yeah. I, oh my I, god. I, yeah, you're going to be a disaster. A as total an old disaster. Woman. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah. Jeez, it's I'm going to have no voice. It's going to be blown out. Right. I'm going to take up smoking. It's all going to be bad. Right. Right. Ugh. Just chain smoking. I'm going to start, like, tanning extra. I'm going right. to have, like, just, like, really I, leathery skin. We talked about this yesterday. I think it describes your Grey Gardens. Like, <laughs> yes. That's your obvious future. That's where I'm headed. I, like, I think, like, generally I'm leaning towards – I was explaining this to Sam the other day that in my regular life I'm starting to lean into this Drew Barrymore world where I'm just, like, quirky and wear random things. I'm like, eh, it's fine. But – it can get out of your control really quickly, and right. then you're that person. Do you ever worry about that when, like, I'm not dressed like that right now, but but when you're like when you're you're in your 30s now, yeah, so everything's cool. Oh, I don't know, yeah, I, right. But and I think you can even pull it off in your 40s. But like, you know, you there's gonna be a time when like you, you young hip quirky. She's gonna Renee, go away. Like she's gonna be done. And like all the stuff that you're doing is just gonna be kind of like. Is she going to get Renee's still doing that? Yeah, yeah. But nobody does that to Goldie Hawn. And this is my other option. It's like, I could go the Goldie Hawn that's like, what? That's like That's like getting into comedy and being like, Jim Carrey did it. Like, that's like, it's like, yeah, I know. I know. That was just the one, though. I'm doing it, and I'm rolling with it. My favorite was when we were having this conversation, and Charlie was like, I don't know. I'm going to be like Victoria Beckham. We're like, you can't just right. announce. You can't. What? I think. Who did she say? Victoria Beckham. And who was the other one? Demi Moore. It, Demi Moore. And I was like, I was like, Charlie, would you accept it for me if I said, yeah, when I get older, I guess I'll be like <laughs> either George Clooney or Brad Pitt or something. I think that's what I'll Who be like. Who do you think is going to be your real comparison as, as you start to age? Clearly Art Garfunkel. Oh, yes, I mean, of that's course. been Duh. made Duh. clear to me on multiple <laughs> Whether you occasions. like it or not, yeah, you don't even is. have a say. It is what it is. And I made the conscious decision this weekend that I think, like, I was like, oh, should I, maybe I should maybe I should shave my head. What? Maybe I do. No. I'm just going to let it grow <laughs> again, yes. I think. What's the longest you ever had your hair? Uh, well, so it was for as a, a radio bit, we had a hair growing contest. Okay, your hair probably takes forever to grow. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but it was like uh, we had, a, and this is when I was young. This was in like mid twenties, probably. Okay, early to mid twenties. They were like, "Well, who can grow their hair?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll grow my hair." And sure. I, I was saying yes to everything at that point. <laughs> now it's yeah. just like you're like, "I'll do anything. Just put me on air." Exactly. I'm in. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, that's how I met Mick Foley. He fed me steak like a baby. Really? But, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> but, so terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Mankind feeding you a steak. But, um, yeah, so I just – it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll grow my hair longer than anybody. Sure. And, like, it wasn't one of those radio bits that has any payoff whatsoever. No. I mean, it You're went, on radio. No one can even see you. It didn't matter. It went – Especially, like, when you were in your 20s. Years. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, five, six really? years. And where was it? My hair? Yeah. It was just... Just a giant uh, Yeah, it was just out That's there. There's great. definitely pictures. I should send you some. Please. And now, I mean, and I've never cut it all off. No, at, you since can't. Then. It's your look. Right. You just can't. Right. Like, I don't know what would happen if you shaved your head. Plus, I mean, luckily, uh, as we discussed earlier in terms of what we have to offer, I've never actually been in a position where people are like, yeah, I'm going to hire him based on his uh, physical appearance. <laughs> so... No, but I for feel having like... having a weirdness. But you do have such a look that people must. I mean... It's not either do or you're don't. You're not right? just a bland. No, like you have a look. Right. It's good. Right. right. See, I don't. I don't really have a look. Um, I find. I mean, I, I have like a, a kind of a look. Like I'm just like a girl. A woman. <laughs> <laughs> but we need a girl. I know a girl. <laughs> I am a girl. <laughs> yeah. You guys. Um, but I find a lot of like even today, this woman came up to me. She's like, "Oh, I really want to meet you because people think that we look the same." I get that. All the time, or someone's like, "Oh, you look like my sister's friend." Like I, I get told I look like people all the time. I don't know anybody that looks like you. No, I get it all the time. People always think that me and Natty look the same. You're just both blonde. I know. I guess she has. Does she have brown eyes too? You have brown eyes. Or, yeah, yeah, mine are like hazel. I'm sorry. If we're I'm getting sort of, specific. Yeah, no, I, I'm a. I'm I, a detail I would say guy. to look at them, but my eyes are like shutting, and I have on these fake eyelashes, and they need <laughs> to come off my face. Ah, <laughs> fake eyelashes are the death of me. I mean, they make me a woman, certainly. I'm nothing without my lashes, but they right. also tear You're down my wig with them. I am. Oh my god. I am. <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. It's very true. Give so, me all the makeup. So are you, uh, because you come across as very uh, cool. fly by, yeah, super cool, very cool. mellow, <laughs> like. Uh, uh, Trey cool. You, you come across as a fly by the seat of your pants type of person. Yeah. Do you uh, do you worry? Do you think about like, oh, the future and this? And how Certainly. do I how do I get to this goal? Do you have specific goals that you're like, I don't know if I'll ever get there. How do I? Yeah, it, I feel like I've been, that's been, um. A real thing uh, that's been causing a lot of anxieties in the middle of the night lately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's like anything. People need to hear that because people look at you, I'm sure, and be like, well, that's the one. No. She's got it all and I need to get the, like uh, that's You're uh. giving people anxiety. No, I, I do because, you know, I think I think it's like anything. At a certain point, it's like I, I don't like – I, I don't know how long my role in WWE will be. I don't like. I don't know what that's going to be. It could be a thing where I stay around forever, right? And I get to hang out, and so I eventually you're horse, turn you're bald into me. And and <laughs> 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 I'm drinking vodka soda cranberries, <laughs> calling the final final like Gene. Um, yeah, whether it's going to be something like that, or trying to like swing uh, into another position to do something else and you know I do think about those things and I'll put out some feelers I would like I would love ideally to find to find some kind of situation where I can just like stay at WWE for a while doing the things that I do but then also being able to branch out and um you know land on some other shows doing some other things like I I mean like anybody I'm sure in television I would love to have like a Kelly Ripa kind of job something like that would be like super up my alley uh, but then I have like I've got other shows that I've got kind of brewing uh, on the back burner right now, so I'm just kind of waiting to get those executed and start working on those with uh, with another production company too. So that's something that uh, 
yeah, I'm hoping to get those things happening. How do you feel about, like, are you a person who feels comfortable pitching and, like, selling yourself? So I've only done it once. Schmoozing and things? Oh, I hate schmoozing. Yes. I'm so bad at it because, like, I could never I, – I don't think I'm, like, in people's face enough to do it. Mm-hmm. That, like, sometimes I see other people doing it, I'm like, is that how it works? Because it seems bad to me. Right. If somebody's in my face selling themselves to me, I'm like, I'm not interested in this. I need you to chill out for a little bit. But, yeah, to get in somebody's face and, like, really try to tell them why I'm the best for the job or why I'm good at my job even, like, that is – I need somebody else to go in and do that for me. It is not – I'm not getting yeah. that. I hate that shit. Because otherwise it's like, what's your job that you're giving me so you would know, right? I don't know. I, I like, know. you tell me. I don't me. know. I honestly don't even know why I'm here or how this happened. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I'm not good at that, but I did have to do a pitch for um, for a show idea that I came up with, and I had to, I was, like, in a boardroom, and people were coming in to this boardroom, and I had to, like, pitch it to them. Um, well, it, it kind of like, sucks, but I think it could be cool <laughs> if, uh, like, I Hear guess... Hear me out, but, like, don't listen too closely. I, I don't know. I... I, I I guess I, I'd be I'd be the host. Like you're just waiting there. They're like, "Are you going to host it or somebody else going to host it?" I'm like, "Whatever you think." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you think is the best idea here. I'm end not up really with sure. a production credit oh, on this thing God. and watch somebody run away with your baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. So I need to work on getting better at that. But I've only done it once, and it was fine. And uh, people were into it, so I guess it wasn't that well, bad. It's, it's, I don't know. It's really a, a tricky tightrope because I feel like I see people that do it, and you go, "Yeah, yeah they man. seem like they have their stuff together. Right. Like I want to do that and be successful like them." But yeah. then you're like, "But that's not a good person. I don't like them." Totally. <laughs> right? So you're like, "Oh my god, Which? totally." Like that's I see like, right through them. I don't trust yes. them. Like. I can have I a can great conversation I can smell a bad person from a mile away. Like, yeah. I... I don't trust you at all. Yeah, like. no. I know. I find that funny that I'm like, man, do I need to, like, be, like, a bad person to be able to, like, get ahead and do things? But I'm not willing to compromise. I have a very strong moral compass. I also think that most of people like that do not realize that that's who they are. No, no, no. Right? There's so no they don't self-awareness. Know. Right. I'm so self-aware. Me too. I'm an I overthinker. I am so yeah. self-aware. Like, it's so bad. Sometimes I see people that just go in like this, like, bull in a china shop, going after what they want and, like, letting themselves be known. I admire it, but then I'm also like, yo, I hate you. Right. That, like... And I'd like to tell myself that I've been alive for 34 years, and I feel like maybe in the long run I've seen that it doesn't work out. Yeah. That, that eventually people figure it's them out. It's going to crash and burn. Yes. But then, I don't know. Are they done at that point? Do they make their millions and get to run away? I don't know. But if you're a good person, like, you build a foundation. Yes. and like People then like to work with you. There's longevity to yeah. it. I actually. There's I, also no skeletons in the closet. Because if you are. Oh, thank God. If you're a self-aware person. Yeah. And you know that you've been faking something, or you know that like you're not a good person. Yeah. And, like <laughs> I like if I was I I don't think I'm a bad person, and I still feel half the time like they're gonna figure out I'm a bad person. <laughs> they're gonna I don't find think a way am. to make me be a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. That it is a really funny thing. I, I find like the more like when I've like you know when I branch out of things outside of WWE and, uh, you know, take some meetings here and there or whatever, different social circles that, uh, yeah, I, you see many people from different walks of life. Uh, I was going to say walks of life. Walks of life. I was going to say that's so weird. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a very bizarre thing. And, and I never, I would, ne- I would never be willing to compromise, like, who I am as a person to be able to, like, make someone think I was cooler or to try to get the job because then I'm like, oh, well, if, if somebody wants to work with that douchebag, then I don't want to work with them right. anyways. It wasn't the right 
prepare. Right, right. I don't know. You, you got to weed them do, out. Like, yeah. It's a tough weeding like process. Like attracts like, right? Yes, exactly. So you're like, I don't want to I don't want to yeah. do all that. Let them do their weird negative thing that they're doing, and it's all going to blow up in their face. Right, right. Plus, I mean, like, stuff happens, right? Like, that's the amazing part of life yeah. is that things just start to kind of happen, and you're like, oh, why? Yeah. Like, if I had pushed and pushed and pushed to get this done when I was five years ago, it I would have been, been out. Thing. Yeah. No, I am a firm like I am a firm believer in like timing, things setting up the right way. Um, I feel like the universe like backs you up. Right. I think that's like a thing. I was reading the book, um, God, is it called something magic. It's a big pink book. Harry Potter? Not Harry Potter. Sorcerer's Stone? God, what is it called? Big it's just called Big Magic. Big Magic. I've never heard of this Oh, book. it's really good. But it's I watch a, a lot book. of wrestling. I don't read a lot of books. So. <laughs> so Big Magic is a cool book, and like the whole concept of it is like putting out I, – I mean, I guess it's a little bit manifesting. It sounds like it's this preachy book. It's really, truly not. I hate books like that, but this is like a cool book. The woman has this whole theory about um, how like thoughts come into the universe, and if you don't act on something then, somebody else is going to take that idea, much like the show idea that I have, that if I don't put it What's out What's that there, idea, by the way? None of your business, Roberts. <laughs> Brand muffins. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. I, I th- so you have to act on your ideas is what it's saying. Act on your ideas. Manifest the things that you want to do. and uh, But, yeah, it's like not compromising on so, who you are and waiting for things to come up that will – once that opening happens and that slot is there and you just kind of jump in there and take it and it's your time to shine. But is there anything to the idea of, like, pushing – like, I feel like you should only push to a certain extent for something because if you find yourself pushing – harder for something than anybody yeah. is willing. And I don't mean like I mean in the in the micro sense. In the macro sense, you should just push, 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 push. Right, right. But when you're when there's a specific thing, a specific job, whatever it is. Yeah. And you're like, they clearly are not interested, but you're following right. them around. Oh you're being my annoying. God. You're be- like, Let it go. Right. You Let have it to. go and move on. You can't do that. Or prove no. prove to people why they should want you Right. By doing work, not by Exactly. Find another angle yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Like find a way to find a way to get the thing done if it's like the thing that you firmly believe in. But also sometimes people have bad ideas and it's not gonna happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Some ideas you think they're good. Yeah. You're in the shower, not. you're about to go to sleep, you're like, that's brilliant. Yeah. A lot of those ideas are terrible. No, 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 so bad. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes they're just not good ideas, but I've had car ideas. That by the time I what get to where I'm, idea? like I'm driving, oh okay, and I'm like, I'm like yep. what, are you inventing cars? Like I'm sure I'm driving Uncle home Herb tonight. Uncle Herb over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite Simpsons episodes. It really way. is just Uncle <laughs> Herb. It's the Homer. Oh, that was so random. <laughs> <laughs> but like you have these ideas when you're driving, and then. Uh, you get to where you're going, and you're like, why would I ever do that? Right. It's terrible. Or if it's like. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, man, what a great idea this is. And then you're like, I, sh- I should write it down. And then if you don't, and then you circle back around, you're like, oh, that was such a terrible right. idea. That was no good. Right. Not good at all. The other night, actually, John and I were at home, and we were like spitballing all sorts of show ideas. We were cranking them out. We were like, we were in a rhythm. Not as that we tried to take credit for all of them. It was quite rude. He did. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he was like, oh, yeah. He was like, well, you're He's just working on my people. idea. He was like, I came up with this idea. I was like, <laughs> bitch, what? We collaborated does, on that. Does he want to do stuff or is he just coming up with ideas for you? Oh, they're all ideas for me. Yeah, because he doesn't strike me as a person <laughs> no. who like wants to be a TV person. No, 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 no. They're all for me. Um, if it's basically my dreams of just having like a Food Network show. <laughs> I, ju- I love cooking. I, ju- I love cooking and I know it hosts TV show. It seems like a regular so thing, how's, right? How does the chemistry in that relationship work? I've, I've, I've always been very curious about that because he, he strikes me as the type 
who's not oh, not even like I just want to make a lot of money and then go live in the desert. Who's yeah. just like I just want to go live in the desert. Like I don't need oh, a lot of money. I just want to go one hundred percent run on on mountains. And I mean, yes, he wants to ride his bike and be in the mountains and like learn how to eat mealworms out of the ground or something. I don't know, but he's like, uh, yeah. I mean, he has aspirations of wanting to to do things here and there, but like. I, I don't know. I guess our dynamic is like he. Like I feel like his aspirations would be like I want to master like the bow staff. That is, that is real. Like these are <laughs> things that happen. Like these Amazon packages come to our house, and like my cousin and her kids were at our house the other week, and the, her sons were in our garage, and they like called me out, and they're like, "Hey, is this real?" And there's like size up on the wall, and like a shambok. Uh, there's ninja stars. Like it's all there, and he's like giving tutorials on how to um, use nunchucks. It's insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he essentially is the person that you think that right. he is the person that you've dreamt up of Dean Ambrose being that's, that is what he's like, but you know, obviously it's different when we're home and our dynamic is much different than that. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a really lovely man. He must be. He's really, truly great. Yeah. yeah he's really, a, he's a special little something. He's like a little lightning, lightning in a, in a. Bottle. Is it one of those things that like he's this person that this uh, the, like like the person that we think he is he is but yes. then he's also this other person yes. that like you're the only one who knows totally. and you're like oh my god I found this person yes, exactly yeah, yeah I, it's really funny I always feel like uh, very lucky that I get to see that side of him and that it is this like very I like it's really just me and a few other close like friends and family members that get to like see him like that but I mean he he is so private he keeps to himself and he like he certainly marches to the beat of his own drum and I love that like that is just like that's how he functions it's how his brain operates and there's times that like we'll be talking about something and I'm like no like this is how this is how you make a hamburger and I'm like telling him the ingredients he's like no it's it's this and he like he has like such a different way of thinking about things that's so out of the norm mm -hmm. from how you or I would But he's not doing it to, to be different. No, that's just legitimately how his brain works. Right. Yeah, it's not a thing where he's just like, well, no, I'm I'm different, weird. That's like just how he functions. Right. It's really it's actually like really fascinating. There's times like when I was like getting more used to it, like when we were dating, then I'm like, yo, what? What's happening here? <laughs> but now like I've learned to like really like appreciate certain things. Like even when I was going in and doing these show pitches and he's like, well, like he had no idea what that even like what that really meant or how that went right. down. But his idea of how like entertainment stuff goes, because he's just been in wrestling, is so different from mine. So it's like funny when I can take his perspective on things and like apply it to myself. It's, it's, yeah, it's really cool. Was it a weird thing when the relationship was starting? Because, uh, I would imagine that like when you're this like, uh, new young single thing right. walking around, you know, the locker room, Hot like, commodity. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm new blonde in town. <laughs> like people would want to date you. Um, and then when like, <laughs> when you become, uh, you know, a spoken for a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was actually like really funny. I felt when I started, um, because, uh, I mean, I knew a few people before I started in WW, which was really just like Dolph, Zach, um, kind of just the two of them. I Where'd met you them know before. Them? So I met them. They At, came through. You're an action figure collector? Is that where you knew <laughs> Ryder from? They came through when I was doing my old show in Toronto. Gotcha. Um, and then doing more of the comedy stuff. That's why I worked with Dolph because we were we were trying to shoot sure. some sketches. Uh, Yoshi Tatsu was also in on that in Evan <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs um, to Yoshi Tatsu, by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like we were, John and I were actually talking about this the other night because somebody was asking us about that. And he was like, yeah, I feel like everyone else was like trying to like, 
get my attention maybe and he was like trying to play it cool that's the that's the move which so i didn't know this and people are always so perplexed they're like how did you guys get together he does not talk to anybody but he just always talked to me and mm -hmm. i didn't know because i didn't know him prior so i was like oh yeah this guy's here and we're hanging out and he's great whatever but yeah he like he was like very subtle in his approach kind of um but the thing that threw me off the most about him which i don't think a lot of people do uh these days is he would like call me he would like call me just to talk yeah, man. And it's just when, like, like, my phone would ring. He was, like, still in my phone as Dean Ambrose. I remember him, like, calling, and I'm like, what the? Who calls somebody? Hang up. Like, <laughs> I, like, I, I, like, didn't pick up the call. I was like, it threw me off so much, and I was, like, so flustered. I'm like, what does he want? What's he going to say? I don't know what the, what's happening. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, like, really spooked me. And then, of course, I ended up calling him back. But, yeah, that was, like, a thing where he would just, like, call me sometimes. But, hey, what are you doing? What's and going on? And is that on? when it was clear that he was pursuing you? Or was it just, like, I don't know if this guy or wants to be friends with dude? me. I don't know yeah. if he just calls people when he's on the road. Well, or? I mean, it wasn't that long of a window of this happening until we're, like, all right. But I, I, I remember we were um, we were by talent viewing. And there was, there was like, the big uh, cart with all the pop and water and stuff in it and he came up and like there was a lot of people around and we had tv in vegas which was where he was living at the time and he's like hey you want to hang out after the vegas show like in front of everybody <laughs> i wanted to die i was like but i was like so confused i'm like wait is this like a date or is this a group thing is it even happening it was like such a hey you want to hang out have a thing okay great um and yeah i was yeah. like so, by the way like, none of the rest of you were invited oh i know it was so <laughs> weird um but then that was like the first time that we like hung out hung out um and it was great and it was not a full-on solo date i showed up and seth was there and like some other friends and i was like i show up and seth is just like hey canada what's up and i'm like what did I just walk into? <laughs> like, I, and like clearly it seemed odd that I was even going there to see John. Right. I was like, this, oh God, this is getting out of my hands really quickly. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty hilarious. And then, uh, yeah, and then we just have been kind of together more or less since then. I love the tricks. Nobody plays the long game anymore. No. The long game works, no, man. No, but he, I, so he actually, I remember him calling me, it was my birthday, and he was like, oh, I'm going to come out, I'm going to visit you, uh, kind of come hang in New York. So I was like, okay, great. And this, I'm like, you know, a couple wines in. I'm like, yeah, come hang out. <laughs> this going to be great. And the next morning, I'm really like, oh my God, yeah, the Grey Garden's me. Come hang out <laughs> at my chateau. Um, I would call him in the morning. I'm like, yeah, you can't come. You're like, you cannot come to New York. Like, what, are you going to stay at my apartment? Absolutely not. Right. Like, I was shutting that party down. I'm right. like, I don't know what kind of a woman you it's think unseemly. I am. But this is not happening. Um, so, yeah, I did that to him twice where we made plans and I told him that he couldn't come because <laughs> I got so nervous um, of, like, what that meant. Uh, but then we, we met on neutral territory when I was doing NXT. He came down to Orlando and that's when we, we hung out. And it was a real was rendezvous. It was very sweet. I love he it. had all my snacks there, a couple drinks. It was very cute. But we stayed up and talked till four in the morning and we're like someone has to make a move here or we're gonna be best friends <laughs> that's it yeah. that's the other thing you have to do if you're playing the long game you have to yeah. know when to like pull totally. the trigger oh my god and both him and i can be so awkward in those situations like i'm certainly not someone to like turn into this like sex pot and be like oh hi like right i stay the same all the time so right. it's like not easy to make a move on me but he persisted yeah yeah i mean that's what like i played the long game with my wife uh, and just hanging out, just hanging out, no yeah. problem. But one day I, we were just driving around and I was like, uh, I gave her this talk that she like blew her mind. Like she didn't know if she should be offended. I was like, uh, you know, I'm having like, this has been so much fun. And she's like, yeah, I'm having such a good time. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, but you know, I mean, the thing about like, no matter how fun, like, uh, a train is when it's parked at the station, like, you know, 
eventually, if you don't get on the train, it does move on. I'm not saying. That. Oh, my gosh. You put her on blast. And she was like, are you saying what I think you're saying? And I was like, yeah. Get on about, my train. Let's about do trains. this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So do you uh, – this is another question I've always wondered. Do you say WWE the same way every single time you say it on purpose? What? WWE. Do I do that? Every time. I do I it do? at home. Yeah. Oh, my God. And really? I, I pointed it out to Jess like when we're watching. I'm like, watch, watch. WWE. I, don't, I didn't realize that. WWE. Yeah, every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> I think I do a lot of weird things subconsciously that are like odd ticks, and maybe that's one of them. Yeah. That could very well be one. It's like, it, uh, yeah, it almost feels like a comfort thing. Like that, if I Probably. say it that way, then I know I'm going to get in smooth. And WWE. Gonna... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Now I'm going to have to WWE. Wait, am I saying this like when I'm throwing to something? No, or like, like when you're. Uh, give me an example. I want like, a full uh, sentence. You'll go like uh, every kickoff show starts with like, uh, um, you know, we're we're oh WWE the universe. WWE universe is packing in or like I'm here with the WWE champion AJ Styles like um, it's said exactly the same way every single time. <laughs> maybe every time. maybe I'm just um, don't think consistent. about it because I, I maybe that's just my thing yeah branding. <laughs> <It's my branding. laughs> I love do it the way every she time. says that. It's so great. Yeah. Um, no, I think that I do it. And so in pre-shows, I will definitely do that mostly because I'm dragging out my time. <laughs> <laughs> the WWE <laughs> universe. How much time do I have to learn on cam? Right. Uh, but if I'm doing it with AJ, I gotta put. I gotta put over the WWE champ. Yeah. I can't just go. Here's a WWE champion. Right. It's a WWE. I champion. like. It. That's it. <laughs> there it is. That's it. Have you had many uh, uh, Vince McMahon interactions? Um. Yeah, I've had a few. Yeah. I've had a few. I've had one so far. How did it go? Awesome. What happened? It was on. It was at Raw 25. Oh. He just came out of an office and he went, my guys in their tuxes. <laughs> Love it. And that shook everybody's hand. That was a last minute decision, too, to put on, put on those tuxedos. So he was very happy that it came he, to he fruition. Loved it. Yeah. How nice to be able to just go, I want everyone tuxedos, and everybody does it. Well, it felt like uh, it was almost like, uh, like when you tell somebody, like, yeah, I'm going to get there and I want all my toys like this. Right. Yep. And then he walked out of his office and he saw all his toys, how he had asked. And he looked like, like he was happy. So Like pleased. it made him happy. It's and I was great. like, and I was happy to make him happy. <laughs> Felt good in my talks. Like I was like, this has oh, worked I out perfectly it. for everybody. It's so good. Yeah. I've had like, I mean, obviously I've had interactions with him, but um, I don't know. I, I don't really like bother him much. Like if I'm like in gorilla or something, like I'll pop over and say, Hey, and shake his hand and do that thing. Um, but I, I usually try to get in there, have like some like odd remark that I think is like charming or whatever and he's I don't know if it's resonating right I'm not sure <laughs> is there <laughs> I, never, I also never want to like again there's like that thing where like I don't want to seem like I'm taking up too much of his time because I don't want to be that person me too also like the things that I'm doing I mean everything directly correlates to Vince of course um, but I would be more inclined to maybe go talk to like a Kevin Dunn or something about like, I, the person like, who specifically is looking at exactly. what you're doing because yeah. this other person might have yeah. bigger fish to fry at exactly the moment exactly yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah I talk to Kevin all the time <laughs> 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 like help me with this yeah all the time he's actually really great I have a really good relationship with him he's a cool dude is there any other than like uh, the, the, the broad strokes like talking smack is great blah, blah, blah. are there any like uh, specific moments that you're like that was a really special moment uh, I will I have got to say tonight in the ring with Shinsuke Nakamura felt like a really cool special moment I mean how how it amazing great. it you know those moments happen like 
I'm trying to think of like the last time I had I had a really great moment with um with Ric Flair in Virginia when he came out and he's like, Oh, Virginia's for lovers and he did the whole <laughs> thing and it was so great. Yeah. Uh, also he threw me under the bus on the pre show today, um, for getting him drunk in Boston. Um so that also happened. Which by the air. way, that was Renee Paquette that uh, did that. Th- no, that was Dean Ambrose that did that. <laughs> I was just there. Um but um yeah, being in the ring with Shinsuke and having that moment, especially like when you're in front of like a Philly crowd and they got the result that they wanted. Everybody's so stoked. Shinsuke's such an outstanding human being. And to be there with him and get to like kind of help announce that, that WrestleMania matchup that's about yeah. to happen, like those are cool moments. Especially since it was also the match that everybody wanted. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone's already chanting for Wasn't, it. There's no curveball coming. No. There's no... Um, I had a really cool moment too. Um, I can't remember when. I think it was... I want to say it was the Raw after WrestleMania when Brian won the title and being in the ring with him and everyone's yes chanting and going ballistic. Like, that was a really cool moment, too. It's amazing with WWE because, like, it's only – it's it's kind of rare. It's only so often that fans get exactly what they wanted. Totally. Like, and when I say what they wanted, what they asked for. Exactly. Because I think a lot of times the mission is to give – Try to give them what they want without them realizing that they want it. Exactly. And sometimes you knock it out of the park and sometimes you don't. Right. But, like, every now and then they just go. It's there. I'm just going to give you exactly what yes. you asked for. And those oh, moments they're are happy. amazing. Ugh. So great. Like, even, like, you know, I think when people were waiting for somebody like Bobby Roode to debut as well. Like, mm-hmm. that was when people knew it was coming. They're waiting for it. And getting to go out there with Bobby, like, to, to introduce him and have those moments. I always love being there with somebody during a debut or, like, after a big match match like that yeah. it, those are cool moments i love that well renee young good packet yes. um moxley. i've taken up moxley <laughs> renee moxley uh, i'm gonna start going by that i'm gonna change my instagram to that you should cooler. just to, i'm gonna do it right now just, just to annoy everybody yeah, just what get, all the all the smart marks though would be like <laughs> yeah start sending you clips from czw and stuff just him cutting his face i oh, god i mean I, I i love this generation right now because like i called like i like years ago i would i called like indie matches just because oh, i love wrestling so much yeah. and like i called the john moxley match Whoa. i called uh, claudio castagnoli oh, i like aj God. lee would just hang out on the bleachers being like oh i hope they put me on the show That's next week crazy. like i mean like so many guys crazy and it, it's just cool to and it and it continues to happen with it like does. this next generation of nxt guys and like the yeah the adam coles and bobby fish and kyle o'reilly's of the world and like it's, it's just really cool i love being so a part of it tonight was definitely one of those moments where i was like man wrestling's great like yes. you could really like i really felt it and especially being there at ringside to hop in with shinsuke at the end and watching that royal rumble match like i felt like i felt a super lucky to be working for this company and to be able to see so many people uh just put together such an amazing uh, night and then also with the women being able to see them all go out there I almost like my eyes got a little teary when Lita came out I'm not gonna lie right I was really stoked to see her out there well you of all people would know sure. to what level that meant to her yeah of yeah. course yeah it was so cool and, oh my god that moonsault she scared me you were yeah you were in the in the screening room when that happened yes. right? the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the audible gasp of like <laughs> yeah. oh my god because she hit it it's been 10 years since she's done it she's and, crazy and she hit it and obviously the crowd reacted yeah. appropriately but uh, like there was this moment of like oh my god <gasps> she's gonna land on her head oh I my know. god she's gonna i saw her after and i was like uh she was like watching that like as she's walking up to the top rope and take that <sighs> that one deep breath of like here we go we're doing it yeah. but yeah it was like tonight was one of those uh really cool moments of getting to see uh, a lot of people's hard work come together and uh a very happy crowd. Well, I can't wait to see all your hard work come together. Yeah, I me can't too. wait to uh, see uh, you continue to prosper inside I'm not the tell you any of the shows. WWE so universe, but also 
when all these shows debut and people will be like, oh, yeah, on the podcast, the that must have been the... The thing that she was alluding to that nobody knows what she's saying. By the way, That's if everybody it. passes on it, I'd still like for you to come back and tell us what the idea oh, was. Oh, certainly. <laughs> yeah, because certainly. I just don't want to be left Actually, hanging. that's kind of a good idea of just having a show talking about, like, bad pitches. I mean, I guess it's Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Shark Tank is an amazing <laughs> oh show. Oh, my God. I I just got into it. John's obsessed with it. Now he's, like, at home just watching marathons of Shark Tank, and it's I'm, everything. I'm the exact... Same way, like see, Ugh. like people don't understand the quality programming that CNBC puts it's on amazing. after, like because they think it's just the stock channel. No, but it's either the Shark Tank or profit. the Profit, which I love the Profit. <laughs> or sometimes on the weekends you get lucky and catch an undercover boss marathon. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just good. Oh, shows. those wigs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the wigs. Yeah, so uh, next time uh, we speak. You will have to come to the uh, official Not Sam Studios in Westchester. 100%. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I appreciate all the time you've given me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me in your hotel room. You mean the... Uh-oh. Yeah, let's turn the recorder <laughs> off and leave it to your imagination. It's off, right? I swear. Yeah. What's that red light? <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> because everybody knows when you get a woman in your hotel room, the smoothest <laughs> thing to do is to talk about what an amazing relationship she's in <laughs> and how great her, her husband sounds and uh. how, you know, oh, my... My wife does that. <laughs> Everything's great and we love our significant others. Yes, thank you very much, Renee. Yes, thank you. Big thanks to Renee Young, and I want to tell you guys about something exciting that just started over at NotSam.com. Of course you know by now, NotSam.com is the place to get this wrestling podcast. It's the place to get my Sam Roberts Now YouTube show. It's the place to get information on everything that I'm doing, and as of right now, it's also the place to shop at the exclusive Not Sam web store. That's right, over at NotSam.com this week, the Not Sam web store opened for the first time. We are going to have a exclusive products running through that place. So if you're a fan of the podcast, you want to show your loyalty to the podcast, it's the best place to go to get your merch. Right now, you can exclusively get the Not Sam lapel pin set at NotSam.com. All you have to do is go to the website and in the top corner, in the top right side of the page, it's going to say Not Sam Store. You click it and you're going to see you've got your choice. The Not Sam logo pin is there. The Sam caricature pin is there. You want them both? You're going to get a deal on both. Go to NotSam.com. Check out the website. It can be your one-stop shop for everything Sam Roberts and Not Sam. And it's also a shop for Not Sam. Check it out and uh, let's go on with the show. Here is Sam Roberts. The amazing Renee Young, an amazing guest on the podcast. No surprise there. What a lengthy and in-depth conversation that ended up being. So much fun. And uh, it was one of those interviews, if you want to call it that. It was more of a conversation uh, where I left thinking, I can't wait to have Renee back on the podcast. Uh, and I would imagine that a lot of you guys feel the same way. So let her know if you like the uh, if you like the interview and you want to see her back on the podcast sometime. But I just she's just a great guest because she can talk about anything. And she's a lot of fun, plus she relates to what we do here on the Wrestling Podcast because she's really good at talking about wrestling for a living. Now, speaking of talking about wrestling, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. I want to tell you guys about Stitcher Premium. This is not an advertisement. This is not a read. This is about what we're doing here on the show. Um, so Stitcher Premium came to me. Stitcher is the company. I've, I've, I've done stuff with Stitcher for a long time. They're a great place to listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, uh, if that's the spot where you want to go. Uh, but Stitcher Premium is a new branch of this company. Stitcher came to me and they said, look, we're launching Stitcher Premium and 
we feel like it's the best way to allow listeners to support the show if they want to without feeling like they have to or they're getting shaken down or whatever. And I said, I looked into it because, you know, there's all kinds of services that do stuff like this. And and for the most part, I shied away from them. But but I like what Stitcher's doing. So here's the deal with Stitcher Premium. This podcast is staying exactly the same. You're going to get Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast every Thursday morning on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, NotSam.com, YouTube, wherever you listen to this podcast, 100% of it is not going to change. Um, it's going to be exactly the same as it always was. So if, if that's what you want, go for it. Keep it. Keep listening. I love you for it. If you want more or if you want to do more, that's what Stitcher Premium is for. So we're going to uh, offer this podcast completely advertisement-free. Uh, all the live reads and, and ads are going to be taken out of the podcast for the Stitcher Premium version. Also on Stitcher Premium, I'm starting a brand new show. It's called Sam Roberts Captive Audience. If you want to listen to Sam Roberts Captive Audience, you're going to have to go over to Stitcher Premium and sign up there. What Captive Audience is is every two weeks, I'm going to get somebody in my life. It'll be my wife. It'll be my dad. It'll be people that I know that are not wrestling fans. Not people that hate wrestling, but just people that are not wrestling fans that maybe don't have the encyclopedic knowledge that you or I might have. And what we're going to do every two weeks is we're going to sit down and we're going to turn on the WWE Network. And I am going to find, with your help, the worst shows available on the WWE Network. I'm talking about pay-per-views. I'm talking about episodes of Raw and Nitro and even the old school TV. Just the, the, there's so much content on the WWE Network and so much of it is amazing that there's also room to find some of the weirdest quote-unquote wrestle crap type things that have happened in this world of pro wrestling. And I want to put myself in the position where I have to explain it to somebody who would never normally be watching it. That's where captive audience comes from. This person is going to be forced to watch this show that you and I probably watched voluntarily and sat there going, what are we watching? They are now going to be forced to watch this show and I am going to be forced to explain to them why this is something that we all still love. I think it's going to be a good time. If you guys have ideas for events that you would like to see or hear us watch, um, on Captive Audience, tweet me at NotSam and let me know what event should be a part of it. But the point is, if you want to hear Captive Audience and if you want to hear this show ad-free, sign up for Stitcher Premium. The way to do that is to go to stitcher.com slash NotSam. Here's the beauty of Stitcher Premium. This is what sold me. Number one, it's not going to kill you in, in, in terms of your checkbook. It's 5 bucks a month or 35 bucks for an entire year. I would probably do the year thing because 35 bucks for a year is manageable. And if you go to stitcher.com slash NotSam and you sign up for Stitcher Premium there, not only will you unlock all the content available to the premium subscribers of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, but you will actually unlock the premium content available to all podcasts that are a part of Stitcher Premium. I know Colt Cabana is doing something. There's a whole bunch of people that are doing stuff, wrestling stuff, non-wrestling stuff. There is an entire library available exclusively on Stitcher Premium. And when you sign up to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Premium by going to stitcher.com slash not Sam, you will have access to everything. 
it's an it's a really amazing deal, and it's the type of thing where once you have it, you will probably never sign off of Stitcher Premium. It'll be your one stop shop for podcasts, and you get to listen to them ad free. It's really uh, it's a pretty remarkable thing. I'm excited about it, so I would love it if you guys would help me out in this and go to Stitcher.com/slash/NotSam and sign up for the premium show. Also, tweet me and let me know what you want to hear us uh, watching on Captive Audience. And of course, that'll be a watch along. So you'll be able, it'll be like Mystery Science Theater 3000. You'll be able to hit play on the WWE Network, uh, whatever show we're watching, and listen as somebody is forced to watch this program and I have to explain to them why wrestling is still amazing. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I hope you guys are there uh, to, to ride this ride with us. Uh, so yeah, that's where we're at. Stitcher.com slash NotSam. If you're not interested... Don't sign up. Just keep listening to the podcast for free. It's that simple. It's that easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right? Speaking of easy, it's going to be a real easy transition to go from here into the state of wrestling. Let's do it. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So here it is, State of Wrestling time. Of course, as usual, we're live on Facebook. If you want to be a part of the live version of State of Wrestling, just sign up uh, for my Facebook page, facebook.com slash NotSam. And uh, at some point, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, uh, I'm going to record this thing and I'm going to turn the cameras on and you'll be able to be a part of it. Before we get into the top five stories that make up this week's State of Wrestling, uh, I want to give, I don't have room for it in my top five as I wrote it out. Um, but I do want to give honorable mention to the new content that's on the WWE Network. As of Monday of this week, the WWE Network was updated with like uh, a couple dozen of the old Coliseum videos ranging, I think, from like 1987 to 1993, and some of them are amazing. For me, I go based on my childhood, so like the, the, the latter stuff, the stuff that is 1990 and beyond, 1990, 91, 92, 93, those are my favorite things. But, like, there's really some really cool stuff there that you might not have seen. For instance, when I, I was when I was a kid, I lived in England. And uh, so we get WWE was huge in England even back then. But they would do these specials every now and then. Like, in 1991, they went to the Royal Albert Hall and did a special that they aired on British television that never aired on American television. And I know because I was a tape trader when I was a kid, uh, when I was in high school. And what I did when I was a kid in England was I used to tape everything. So on a VHS tape, on, on a PAL European VHS tape, I recorded this uh, battle royal at the Royal, the battle at the Royal Albert Hall on a VHS tape. I got to America, I had to convert the VHS tape into an American VHS tape so I could have it on my website and do the whole thing and, and tape trade with it and stuff. But it is now available on the WWE Network, The Battle at the Royal Albert Hall, uh, which is this thing that I watched as a kid that I haven't been able to see in many, many years. But they've also, I mean, you got to scan through these Coliseum videos they have. They've got, we were just talking about uh, Smack 'em, Whack 'em, I think is what the name of one of them is that I was watching today. But that Coliseum video had the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels ladder match. It had the Bret Hart Ric Flair world title match. A lot of these matches that you heard about or saw pictures of in magazines that you knew as untelevised matches were released on Coliseum Video because WWE used to put out these Coliseum videos once a month. So they had that was that was their business. It was it was house shows pay-per-view and they would put out home video once a month and a lot of these matches would never be on tv because the tv was pretty much jobber matches that were just sort of ramping up towards either a live event or a pay-per-view but every time they would do tv tapings they would 
have dark matches, quote unquote, um, that were like main event matches, whether it was Sean and Brett in a ladder match or Bret Hart winning the title or all these different things. And what they would do, since it was lit for TV and they had the entrance and everything, was release it on Coliseum Home Video, their home video company. Um, and a lot of these matches are not well known because they were only available on those Coliseum videos. They weren't these moments on TV. They weren't these moments that we had all like as a, as a collective that one night we turned on the TV and we saw this thing or on, on a, this SummerSlam, we all saw this main event. You had to get the video to see it. So a bunch of them are available on the WWE Network and I think it's one of the best additions to the network since it started just because it's so quirky. It's exactly what you would want out of the WWE Network. It's like buried treasure. And I mean, it's something that like sit down over the weekend when you got some free time and just start scanning through that stuff. And I promise you, if you're a fan of, of WWF in the early 90s, late 80s, you'll be lost for hours watching these things. Um, all right, let's get into it. It is top five stories of the week. Story number five, uh, we saw it go down on SmackDown, the confrontation between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. And I feel like this story has been an ongoing story and a story that we've featured so many times here on The State of Wrestling. But again... We have this moment on SmackDown last night, or on Tuesday night, I should say, when Shane and Brian are like going back and forth, and Shane McMahon draws direct and specific attention to the fact that Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle again. He says, we know you want to wrestle again. The crowd goes nuts. I don't understand the storytelling that's going on because in that moment, and I could have predicted it, I think you guys could have predicted it, in that moment, that the moment that Shane says, we know you want to wrestle again, like Daniel Bryan was starting to develop some like uh, bad guy heat in the last couple of weeks as he actually did make you question. In the beginning of this whole story, it was pretty obvious that the emotion here was Shane did not like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and Daniel Bryan was being fair. In the last couple weeks, we started to get a hint that maybe Daniel Bryan is actually favoring Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. But then you go to this week on SmackDown, and Shane does something like acknowledge that Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle again, allow, and allow the crowd to all chant that that's what they want too, and Daniel Bryan's right back to being the most beloved guy in the company. I can't, for the life of me, understand how this has any, uh, 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 how, how this ends any way other than Daniel Bryan wrestles again. It doesn't make sense any other way. Like, I, I don't know why you would even bring this up as a possibility, why you would allow the crowd to get this excited if you're not going to have Daniel Bryan wrestle Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. I absolutely think that the match is going to happen. You know, I understand why he hasn't been cleared. Well, they say, look, Triple H has very recently said Daniel Bryan is not cleared to wrestle. Triple H also said the day before the Royal Rumble, there was no deal signed with Ronda Rousey. It's wrestling. People say things sometimes. We, we, we still want to have surprises. There is going to be that buildup. The will he, won't he is a conversation that I want to be having. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, we know he's not going to wrestle because he's not cleared. We're not the doctors. 
We're not in those meetings. We don't know if he's cleared or not. I believe, based on the stories that are being told on SmackDown, that Daniel Bryan is going to wrestle again. And I, I really thought that after this week's SmackDown, based on the on the interaction that Shane and, and Bryan had. Because if you don't have Daniel Bryan wrestle, and you go, okay, I'm going to have Daniel Bryan be represented by Kevin Owens and or Sami Zayn. He's going to, like, manage them. And they're going to get even more heat because people are going to be mad that Brian's not wrestling. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that the heat is going to go to Shane and the other guys. The heat is just going to be all over the match because people are going to be pissed that Brian's not wrestling. The heat is going to be on Shane for suggesting that Daniel Bryan, we know Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle again. So why isn't he? Well, I guess Shane won't let him. He's the boss, right? That's where the heat goes, I think. Unless you do something where Daniel Bryan gets cleared and he decides, ah, I'm not going to wrestle for you people. Then I guess he would become a bad guy. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to wrestle. I absolutely think that Daniel Bryan is going to wrestle again. Um, one person in the Facebook chat is saying, Daniel Bryan to beat Shane, then off to revitalize 205 Live as champion. I don't think that that's going to happen. Daniel Bryan is going to... Uh, have main event matches should he come back uh, and not on the show main event. I mean, and it's what I've said from the beginning. I think he'll wrestle Shane at WrestleMania, and then I think he'll come back on an irregular schedule. I think he's going to have a match with AJ. I think he's going to have a match with Nakamura. I think we're going to see the Brock Lesnar match. I think these matches are going to happen, and SmackDown this week made me feel that way even more. Uh, speaking of what was going on this week, this week, we go to story number four, and that story is what happened on Raw with Elias and the people who want to walk with Elias. I was looking at Twitter, and I was reading the crowd reaction, and I was just thinking about it, and we've been talking about this the last couple weeks, and I'm glad I went on the record a few weeks ago in my support for Elias and what I want to see happen with him at WrestleMania, but I figure like this week specifically, everything came together for Elias, and people really started to realize this guy's the man. I saw more comments on Twitter this week uh, from people who admittedly were like, I wasn't on the Elias bandwagon and I don't understand why. I think within a year, if not less, maybe six months, people will be wondering how anybody could have ever not been on the Elias bandwagon. The guy's amazing. He's amazing. He plays his character perfectly. He has the crowd in the palm of his hand. He's as big as a house. He, he looks like he's in just super shape, and he can wrestle great matches. I mean, come on. Elias is the man. And I know that people, some people have said they want John Cena versus Undertaker. We don't know if the Undertaker's going to wrestle at WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. For me, at this point, more than I want John Cena versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania, I want John Cena versus Elias at WrestleMania. That is how you use John Cena. That is a good use for John Cena. Having him wrestle and conceivably lose to Elias. Even I was going to say even if he beats Elias, it's still okay. But I don't think that's true. Just ask Bray Wyatt, ask Rusev. You know, people don't necessarily bounce back from that. Not that it's John Cena's fault. I'm just saying that it's not a guarantee that anybody's going to bounce back and Damian Sandow from losing to John Cena. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is the WrestleMania that John Cena loses, even though it's weird to think about that, that you, you, you think about WrestleMania in terms of that Hogan must pose John Cena moment. 
right? That John Cena gets to stand victoriously at WrestleMania, and that could very well happen. But based on what John Cena has been doing with the WWE in the last since he lost to Roman Reigns, which is really putting a lot of people over, getting pinned, getting jumped, getting beaten up, not having a, a position of of heightened. He's not in the main event, main event scene in WWE right now. And it's weird, too, because when John Cena, like, when he came back, it was like this huge deal that John Cena was going to be on Raw. I never take it for granted that John Cena is going to be on Raw or at any of these pay-per-views, especially since he took that bow after Roman Reigns. But it's weird that the last two weeks we've had John Cena on Raw without any sort of like, oh, my God, John Cena's here this week. And it's just kind of... Taken for granted, like, oh yeah, John Cena just he's gonna be at the elimination chamber. Like that should be a bigger deal, I think. I think it should be it should be a, a major to-do that, oh my god, John Cena is back and he's in the elimination chamber and he wants to go to WrestleMania. Like I I, I think it John should really be positioned as a guy that is unbeatable and he that's just because of the years of work that you've put in. It's weird that we're not reminded constantly, uh at least right now that John Cena is unbeatable. But all that said, I still think that he's the right opponent for Elias at WrestleMania, and I think it's the right time for Elias to have that moment of beating John Cena at WrestleMania. I just think the people are behind him, and it's really, really interesting. As I look around uh, at the at, at who people are really behind in the WWE right now, the new stars that have been made, uh, because it, it it's not who you think it would be, you know? I mean, it is AJ Styles, it is Nakamura, it is Finn Balor, it is Samoa Joe. There are these guys that, stars already that they've signed and turned into bigger stars. But, the experiment that we tried to do with Roman Reigns, which is, take a guy, follow the John Cena model, take a guy with not a lot of wrestling experience outside of WWE, train him, Put him in front of live audiences and and create a WWE superstar from scratch. It happened with John Cena. It happened with The Rock. The attempt is for it to happen with Roman Reigns. And he is certainly a WWE superstar, but it's just, you know, the boos are so much. What I think is interesting is if you look at the landscape right now, you've got The Miz, you've got Braun Strowman, and you've got Elias. I don't think any of us would have picked those three names. But those three names are the WWE's homegrown superstars. Those three names are the names, in terms of homegrown people, that could potentially be main eventing WrestleMania for the next five in the case of some of those guys, for the next five to ten years. Maybe Roman Reigns isn't your next John Cena. Maybe your next John Cena lies somewhere within that mix of The Miz, Braun Strowman, and Elias. Because to me, it really did hit me that The Miz is just working on all cylinders. Nobody can say anything bad about The Miz anymore, and I think he's good for keeps. I think he's there now. Braun Strowman is an experiment that's worked better than any experiment uh in modern time, really, in terms of a build, in terms of somebody getting over, in terms of somebody becoming a superstar, Braun Strowman is the man. 
it's worked and and he's risen to every challenge that's been put in front of him and maintained his ability to be a giant star uh, metaphorically and literally and now you've got this Elias who anybody with eyes and ears can see that this guy is the next big 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 superstar and I just think it's cool that you've got these homegrown guys that are right there and in the case of all three of those guys, nothing was guaranteed. There, the, I don't, and 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 that's part of it. That at no point in the rise of Braun Strowman or the Miz, this incarnation of the Miz, and as this rise of Elias is happening, we fans feel like we do have something to do with this. We fans feel like we are choosing those people. Those people, we don't feel like those people were chosen for us, which goes to prove. That if WWE does did take a step back, there could be homegrown talent there that we would we would we would be attracted to. You know, there could it's not just, well, you know, the hardcore fans are just gonna cheer for the people that they know, so it's just gonna be the indie darlings that get cheered. That's not true. That's not true. If you allow people to take advantage of opportunities and don't make any decisions too early, let let the dust settle a little bit and realize what's in front of you, you'll realize something really special there. And this class of The Miz, and The Miz being the veteran at this point, you got The Miz, you got Braun Strowman under him, The Miz is the present. Braun Strowman is the future. Elias is right under Braun Strowman. You know what I mean? You got that chain, generationally, you know, that that is a recipe for something special. And if I'm running WWE, those are the three guys. If I want to concentrate on homegrown talent. Now, let's also talk about how amazing Finn Balor's been doing. On the women's side, let's talk about how homegrown talent, maybe Charlotte is one of the greatest homegrown talents of all time. Let's talk about how good Asuka is. Throw her in the mix. Let's talk about the fact that Sasha Banks is working at a level that we haven't seen since she was in NXT. Put her in the mix. You know, there are, there, there's still much more. I think Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville have, like, crazy upside. Ruby Riot is off the charts. Um, there, there's a ton of people, so I'm not trying to leave anybody out. But in terms of, if you're looking at the men's side, in terms of homegrown talent, those are your three guys, in my opinion. Those are your three guys. Dustin on Twitter says, The Miz being a veteran makes me sad. You know, I don't, I don't know why. It shouldn't, unless it makes you sad because you feel old. That's what happens to all of us. You know, we want to believe that Stone Cold is still going to come out, but we get older, right? We have to understand that these things happen. The Miz has been in WWE since 2004, I believe. You know, you're talking about a 14-year a, a run. 2005, maybe? You're talking about anywhere from 12 to 14 years the Miz has been in WWE. And he reportedly just signed a new four-year contract. I mean, if we're talking about the Attitude Era and Mick Foley comes out and he says, I've been doing this for 12 years. And Stone Cold comes out and says, I've been doing this for 12 years. We all look at this guy like, okay, that commands our respect. He's got some experience. The Miz is there, man. The Miz is there. And if you look at his work, if you look at his ability, he's bar none. You know, he makes people care. And almost nobody's doing that. The Miz makes people care about stuff that they didn't think they would care about. The Miz made people care about the John Cena, uh, Nikki Bella, Miz, Maurice match. The Miz made people care about that match. The Miz made people care about the Intercontinental title. 
The Miz made the Roman Reigns-Miz matches exciting. Like, The Miz is doing it, man. The Miz is maybe the most valuable... AJ Styles is probably still number one. Miz is probably number two in my book. If I just, if you told me who are your favorite wrestlers in WWE right now, in terms of if it's your promotion, who are your guys? AJ Styles is my number one guy. Miz is probably my number two guy. And then we start talking about Braun Strowman, and then we start talking about Elias, and then we start going down that list. And maybe I'm crazy, but uh, I don't think so. And I see people in the Miz is a future Hall of Famer. Miz deserves a championship. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing some of the best work uh, he has ever produced. He's not doing he's doing the best work he's ever produced. The Miz has never been better than he is right now. He's had a good he had a good great 2016, great 2017, and he's never been better than he is in 2018. Never. The brand split, Miz is the brand split benefited Miz more than anybody else because as soon as that brand split happened and the Miz went to SmackDown, he went he started to prosper. When he came over to Raw, I was like, oh, man, he's going to get lost. He went even further prospering. I went, oh, he's not going to be the champion now. But he made the Intercontinental title mean more. He actually did. His character said he was going to do it. And then in real life, he did it. He's amazing. He's amazing. Um, all right, let's move on to story number three. Speaking of battles, Corey Graves versus Booker T. So Booker T... He's doing his radio show. And so, all right, let's start at the beginning. I was surprised on Monday after the Royal Rumble when I found out the coach was going to be doing Raw because I was in the building on Sunday. I was literally talking to Booker T on Sunday. Booker T, here's the thing. I'm a little bit torn because Corey Graves is a friend and has been a friend for a long time at this point. I mean, I, I love Corey Graves. Booker T happens to be one of my favorite people in the WWE, not just to watch, but to interact with. When I'm when I'm there in the building, Booker T is one of my favorite, absolute favorite people to talk to on the air, off the air. He's the best. He's everything that you would hope Booker T would be. He's the greatest. But I talked to him on Sunday. I was hanging out with him. Everything was cool, you know? On Monday... It's announced that Coach is uh, taking over the commentary position. And, you know, I, I honestly, part of me was like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if Booker's going to be upset about that or is Booker going to be like, oh, great, I'll be able to spend more time with my kids, I'll work on my radio show, my reality of wrestling promotion, and I'll come back for the pay-per-views. Like, I didn't know how Booker felt about it. And, you know, I talked to him at the shows, but it's not, I don't, like, text with him, so I didn't reach out to him. Maybe I should have. Um, but this week... Booker goes on his radio show and he says uh, that Corey Graves is the reason that he's not working uh, on Monday Night Raw anymore. That all the digs that Corey was making, Corey Graves was, and, and I don't know, the implication wasn't really that he was politicking behind the scenes. And I don't know Corey Graves to be a politics guy, but you know what? I'm not in the meetings. Corey Graves could be the worst political demon that's ever lived. I don't know. I'm not in the meetings. Seems like a good guy to me. Well, I hang out with him and he's not politicking. He's just hanging. But, um... Booker T blamed Corey Graves for leaving, for, for being uh, moved off the Raw commentary team and onto the pay-per-view pre-shows, uh, and then said that he would not act in an unprofessional way, but if he saw Corey Graves on the street, he would beat that ass, <laughs> which I was like, what? I didn't see that coming at all. I thought those guys got along. 
Um, and then Corey Graves was on Raw, and he's made. He went on Twitter. He took a shot. He went on Raw, and he said something to the coach about like, uh, "Hey, coach, you better watch your mouth, or you'll be doing local radio in the afternoons." Which I believe is a direct shot at Booker T. Uh, there have been a lot of of of, of shots now. There's a couple ways to look at this. One, is it a total work, 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 workity, work, work, work? Um, I don't think it's a, a workity, work, work, work. Because, I, you know, it's not going anywhere. They're not going to have a match. So I don't think, I think that it's not a work. Is it a shoot? Does Booker T really want to fight Corey Graves? I don't think that that's probably the case. Is it the third thing, which is it two guys busting each other's balls in a public scenario and watching people go crazy? My opinion, I haven't talked to either guy about it. My opinion, I think it's two guys busting each other's balls in public and watching people go crazy, which, again, I mean, we talked about it with Ronda Rousey and the women tweeting about it. It's wrestling. We should be enjoying it. We should love the drama. People, Guys should create more drama on social media. Like, that's it's, it's 2018. You know, I, I, I think there should be more of a line blurred as to what's real and what's fake. And, and... Graves should be taking shots at Booker T, and Booker T should be blaming Graves for 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 ruining his 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 chances at living his dream of being a raw commentator. Like, let's get it going. Like, let's let's uh, let's heighten the drama. So I love it. I love every bit of it. But yeah, if you had to, if you put a gun to my head and said, "What do you think it really is?" I I think it's guys busting each other's balls. Um, people are already asking. Look, you want to uh, Corey Graves special guest on the next show, Sam. Tweet Corey Graves and say that you want him on the podcast. Maybe I'll text him. Maybe I get maybe I get in contact with Booker. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if Booker or Corey Graves want to do the podcast next week. How about that? How about that? Well, and I again, I have no pull. I got no juice. So if you turn on the podcast next week and don't hear either one of those guys, don't be surprised. But it's just a thought that occurred to me. I'm gonna see if either of those two guys want to do the podcast, not together next week, but separately. Um because I think it'd be a fun time. Although if there was a fight, I think Booker T would win. Corey Graves is 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 a badass. Don't get me wrong. Corey Graves has been, uh, I'm, I'm sure, in quite a few fights in his days. Um, I would not oh, ever want to cross paths with uh, Corey Graves in a dark alley. But Booker T has lived a life, my friend. Booker T has lived a life. And I believe, I believe that if it did come down to fisticuffs, Booker would whip that ass. But it would be a fight. Corey Graves would put up a fight. He just wouldn't win. That's that I, I think I think I, I don't know, but I think um, it says uh, put put uh, Corey Graves and Booker in the same. I don't know. The comments are coming on too too uh, too quickly, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I love the story, though. I love what's going on. The number two story this week, Alexa Bliss and Kurt Angle. What a weird promo on Raw. I, I don't think Kurt Angle is having uh, no favors are being done for Kurt Angle on Monday Night Raw. You know, he's not a serious authority figure. You know, we get to the place where, like, he fires Braun Strowman. Stephanie makes him rehire Braun Strowman, and he just does it. And then there's no sort of fallout. There's no Kurt Angle. Like, in that moment, Kurt Angle appears to have no power because Stephanie McMahon, the commissioner, is just telling him what to do. There's no tension between the two of them. It's like, I don't I don't know why. It makes it tough to take the on-screen GM seriously at that point, which maybe if that's your intention, that's fine. But I feel like on Raw, that's kind of been the mo is to is to make the general manager appear that they shouldn't be taken seriously for no particular reason, like for no end game, just because. Which I I don't I don't get. But I thought it was such an odd choice for Alexa Bliss to come out 
and make a solid argument. She goes, Brock Lesnar doesn't have to defend the universal title in the elimination chamber. The men don't have to do this. But the women do? Are you sexist? Now, keep in mind, the WWE has, has enforced and enforced and reinforced and reinforced this message of, of equality among men and women and empowering women, empowering women, empowering women. And what's good for the men is good for the women. Hell in a Cell match for the women. Royal Rumble match for the women. Elimination Chamber for the women. Money in the Bank for the women. Like, equal, equal, equal. Look at the championship. It looks the same now. There's no butterflies on it. They're not divas. They're superstars, just like the men. All this stuff, right? And Alexa Bliss points something out where you're like, oh, that actually is true. Why do the why does she have to defend the title? And, you know, Kurt Angle retorts, well, you haven't defended the title since October, so you should have to defend the title. Which, honestly, Alexa's character is right again because Alexa Bliss not defending the women's championship since October makes Kurt Angle look bad. Because the general manager character, we're, all, we're talking in terms of character now. The general manager character should be booking matches, right? It's the general, it's not the champion's responsibility to find challengers. It's the champion's responsibility to, to defend their title. It's the matchmaker's responsibility to create title matches. So it's not Alexa's responsibility to defend the title if nobody's telling her to. It's, 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 it's embarrassing that the women's title hasn't been defended on the Raw side since October. That's, but that's not embarrassing for the champion. That's embarrassing for the GM not making title matches. So I don't, you know, in that back and forth, Alexa was playing the bad guy, but she was right. And not in a way of like, oh, like, like a good bad guy, there's supposed to be a hint of truth in what they're saying. But Alexa was only right. Like Kurt Angle was wrong. It's only, there. you should be able to understand the bad guy's motives. But the bad guy should never be more right than the good guy is. Because the good guy is fighting on the side of right. That's what, what we're doing. And that's why when Kurt Angle said, do you want to see this match? The fan reaction was totally mixed. You didn't have, like, when, when Shane McMahon goes to, you know, Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle again. The whole audience goes, yes, 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 yes. When Kurt Angle goes, this is a match you want to see, half the audience goes yes, half the audience goes no, and uh, three guys in the corner just sat there silently. So I, I, I thought that that was, that was very oddly done. Um, you know, it, it doesn't make sense with the narrative that the WWE has been pushing. Um, and I found myself agreeing with Alexa Bliss. And I actually found myself, if I'm following the WWE's logic, I don't want to see Alexa Bliss defend the title then in the, in the elimination chamber. Why? Why should she? I, I wouldn't mind her having a, a match, but yeah, she's right. She's now got the odds stacked against her for no apparent reason because the men don't. So I, I, I thought that that was bad, and, 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 and I, it's not making Kurt Angle look good. I don't know why, why bring in these beloved legends just to kind of make it look like they don't have any real power as general manager. You know, I don't, I don't know what benefit that does to anybody. So, um, See, Sam Diaz is saying Alexa Bliss reminds me so much of Edge and his I'm right and you're wrong heel tactics. But it's different because Edge wasn't right. Edge was technically right. Edge was right as it concerns to Edge. Alexa Bliss is just right. Like, Edge was right in a sneaky way. Well, technically, I'm right, so I don't have to do this. Right? Edge is one of the best heels 
of, of the last 15 years. Edge was amazing. That, that whole era that Edge was around as a top heel, that's, why, that's what kept that era alive was how good of a heel Edge was. That wasn't the scenario we had on Raw. We didn't have a scenario of like Alexa Bliss being this great heel. Alexa Bliss was a babyface that was being mistreated by a heel general manager. I felt, based on the logic that was being presented to me, I felt that the Kurt Angle was the bad guy in that scenario. The Kurt Angle was being unfair, and Alexa Bliss was, Alexa Bliss was right. Um, all right, and finally, the number one story of the week. This story broke uh, right after the podcast came out last week, but it is technically this week. It's in this week of, of story. It is Ring of Honor announcing that ROH Supercard, the show that is going to happen in New Orleans, that is going to be competing with NXT TakeOver New Orleans, is going to be headlined by Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega. Ring of Honor is pulling out all the stops. All the stops, and they did this. They 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 did this in in San Antonio as well before the Royal Rumble. No, not the Royal Rumble before the Survivor Series weekend. They did the same thing because, but in that scenario, the WWE was piggy not piggybacking, but in that scenario, the WWE decided to do an NXT house show close to where Ring of Honor was running. Um, after Ring of Honor had already announced. This one, Ring of Honor knew when they chose that date. Even if TakeOver hadn't been officially announced, Ring of Honor knew the Saturday before WrestleMania is a TakeOver night. So they know they're competing with TakeOver. Um, and they're headlining with Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega, which is like maybe the biggest match that Ring of Honor will have all year. It makes me feel bad for Dalton Castle. They're just sitting there. I mean, go back a couple weeks and, and listen to or go on YouTube and watch the interview I did with Ring of Honor champion Dalton Castle and, like, the headline is still Kenny Omega versus Cody Rhodes. That doesn't seem fair. But, I mean, Ring of Honor's pulling out all the stops. It'll be interesting to see how NXT competes with that. And I think there are spoilers and rumors and stuff about the TV tapings, but I don't really get into that stuff, so I don't know. I mean, I still think that NXT will be fine because... I mean, the takeovers have just been, every single takeover show has been an incredible show. So I don't know who wouldn't go to a takeover show. But I think it's really interesting that that Ring of Honor is pretty much competing with all they have right now. Ring of Honor has decided to compete with all their might um, and put on this match. It almost feels like they're rushing, that they're rushing to this Cody Rhodes-Kenny Omega match. Like, I would have kind of expected for the seeds to be planted for this now, but for this Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes thing, I would have expected it to draw all the way out. First of all, the seeds got started to get planted the night after Wrestle Kingdom. So I thought that this was a New Japan property, and I kind of felt like they were going to they were gonna stretch this out all the way till Wrestle Kingdom next year, at least until Ring of Honor Final Battle next year. But the fact that Ring of Honor is doing this match before New Japan and getting it on right away is, number one, I wonder how New Japan feels about that. But number two, it's pretty apparent that they've decided they want to go after NXT's numbers, which I'm never mad at competition. I think competition is a good thing. And and yeah, NXT will be fine, but it's just... Uh, or yeah, Matt on Facebook just now said, I thought it would headline all in. I kind of thought it would headline all in as well. But I don't think that this is an interesting story because it means NXT is in trouble because it doesn't, even slightly. But I think it's an interesting story because... 
I don't know that Ring of Honor has pulled out all the stops to this extent to compete with NXT before this weekend. I mean, let's face it, the New Orleans weekend is WWE's weekend. Ring of Honor can own Final Battle. Like, Ring of Honor can have December. That can be the month that Ring of Honor gets to do their big show. But to do the big Ring of Honor show, to have that huge match WrestleMania weekend, where regardless of what happens on Saturday, regardless of how good TakeOver is, regardless of how good Ring of Honor is, on Monday morning, everybody's going to be talking about WrestleMania. You know, last year when Ring of Honor ran on the Saturday before the Sunday WrestleMania, they had a Hardy Boys match, a ladder match. And, you know, big deal. Hardy Boys, Broken Matt, uh, Broken Matt, Brother Nero in Ring of Honor. Huge deal. Have their match, blah, 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 blah. One night later, they show up at the Citrus Bowl at WrestleMania, and that's people forget that they even wrestled for Ring of Honor. So I, I feel like if I were running Ring of Honor, I would probably try to put my best foot forward running unopposed. I would probably try to take something that was mine and own it because, you know, it's it's going to be tough to compete with a takeover. It's impossible to compete with WrestleMania. Nobody competes with WrestleMania. So as far as a weekend goes, so so that's why I would I would probably have saved that match for a pay per view and done it at Final Battle or even this All In show or something like that. Um, and yeah, and 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 Hansel says the ladder match before Mania against the Young Bucks with the Hardys was great and it was great, but nobody talked about it. People only talked people talked about it during the day on Sunday. Oh, did you see that Hardy Boys-Young Bucks ladder match? Yeah, during that day on Sunday. But from the minute the Hardy Boys hit the stage at WrestleMania, nobody ever talked about that match ever again. And that is the worry that I have for Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes. That I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that match on a show that was a, a piggyback show. That was Ring of Honor piggybacking onto uh, WWE stuff, you know? I just That's me, though. That's me. I'm excited to see the match. I think it's going to be great, but it is what it is. All right, guys. Uh, I appreciate you listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast as always. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, uh, go to stitcher.com slash notsam and sign up for Stitcher Premium to listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Go to that URL, though, stitcher.com slash notsam. You will get uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast every week ad-free. And, and by the way, this wrestling podcast is going to continue to run as it's always run. But if you want the show with zero ads in it and... You want the brand new bonus show that I'm debuting called Captive Audience, where I sit down with a non-wrestling fan and make them watch some of the worst wrestling on the WWE Network. You have to be, that show and the ad-free version of this show are going to be exclusive to Stitcher Premium. So go to uh, stitcher.com slash notsam, stitcher.com slash notsam, and uh, sign up and uh, and be a part of this thing uh, And as we hit the next level with Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all for being here, and uh, we will see you next week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. 
It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.